Drama City Productions presets. Access granted. Welcome, nerd. Load complete. the amazing nerd show episode 50 that's right are we doing anything for episode 50 no no <laughs> just another episode just another episode. we are gonna have a big season two premiere perhaps for the new year yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens maybe maybe <laughs> i have no control of this show people <laughs> yes i'm just along for the ride i'll edit you out next time uh, <laughs> just be the christian and yeah. christian Amazing nerd show. Um, Alright, so, it finally arrived. Yes. Avengers Endgame is here. I feel like that's what all this, like, this whole podcast has just been waiting for that trailer. <laughs> At least the last 25 episodes. Yes. <laughs> so we finally got the trailer. They dropped it on Friday after all these rumors and all these, you know, fake, you know, false states. It finally showed up Friday morning, like early Friday morning. Um, Christian, thoughts on Endgame? So, like, if you were Nebula, how long would you wait after Tony Stark dies before you eat him? <laughs> Do you think she's on the ship with him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because he's on the Guardian ship. Mm. So that's how the trailer opens up, is with Tony, you know, talking to his helmet. I hope the shots of her after that was her in the ship. That's my... Okay. It just feels like at that moment for that shot, you know, it definitely looks like those shots do look like her on the ship, but the shots with Tony on the ship, it feels like he's alone mm. at that moment. Um, I, I feel, feel like, that's how they want you to feel. You know, just... yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel like Nebula could survive that because she's mm. mostly, you know, robotic at this point. We do know that she eats. You know. But beyond that. Yeah. So, um, you know, and she's, I feel like she's survived much worse <laughs> with her dad torturing her constantly. Do you think Tony could make a cool Iron Man suit out of her and that's how he survives? Well, that's the thing. Like, he's on that <laughs> fucking ship. He can't find any tech. Like, he built that fucking suit in that cave, you know? So he can't find any tech on the Guardian ship to build another suit. Just feels like He has no idea where he is, though, you know? I guess. The and then how... Oh, this is me picking up her. I love the trailer, by the way. <laughs> but, like... He also has the helmet, but the helmet was nanotech. Oh, or less. oh yeah. So how does he have, unless that's like a spare or like somehow that's all that's left. Maybe you know, it can remain nanotech. a physical, like, I guess. Form. I did like, you know, I thought it was cool that it was like half the helmet, though. I thought that was a nice touch, hmm. you know, so. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the whole dialogue where he's talking to Pepper and like, you know basically saying goodbye 
Um, I liked the name Drop of Rescue in there. I don't know if you caught that. Um, you know, we already know, spoilers, that, you know, Gwyneth is going to be suiting up for this episode mm-hmm. um, and wearing the rescue armor from the comics, which is pretty cool. Who do you foresee saving Tony? I'm still under the assumption it's going to be Captain Marvel answering mm-hmm. the page, just flying by and see the ship. Okay. I can see that. Um... Originally, we were speculating that she could be helping Ant-Man in the quantum realm, and maybe it's like a time travel moment. But now I'm just picturing her just coming to save the day after she's been... See, I didn't think that just because of the Nick Fury with the pager, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, I figure she's off somewhere in the galaxy. Um, but, you know, I could see why you would say that, too. Um, but also, I... Man, I could see Rescue somehow. You know, Gwyneth... You know, somehow, you know, getting that, you know, communication somehow and, you know, setting off the rest of the Avengers to go save them, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel most likely it's Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, but the fact that he name dropped Rescue in a way makes me feel like it could be Gwyneth. And I feel like that'd be a huge moment, you know, to have, you know. It would, but how long do you want him out in space for like the first And I have no idea, like, what time frame mm-hmm. we are like like are we just days afterwards um you know is it been months i have no idea where we're at timeline wise so and that's fine well one thing i dug about this trailer was how fucking dark it was and dire. i'm glad that it didn't give you any hope mm-hmm. like we're truly seeing really the aftermath of everything that has happened you know with infinity uh, war so i dug that so, because we really didn't get to see the aftermath, mm-hmm. you know, really. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, it, it was definitely very somber, <laughs> you know, to be so hyped up for something and have it almost feel like a funeral was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> 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 but that's me being sick. Mm. <laughs> Man, but, uh, I feel like the movie's going to start off with Hawkeye losing his family. Oh my god, I could definitely see that. And being that's the very first be, shot. Yeah, and that definitely has happened. Mm. Like, that's... That's the only way that it makes sense for him to be, you know, Roman and be in that dark place is mm. that he lost his family. And that's just heartbreaking. So, um, pretty awesome. And that's a much better way for him to I be mean, introduced allude, into the costume. They and, allude to it, too, with the line. Because they're like, uh, we all lost something. Yes. And they say family. And they and do that. He, he turns, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It, no, absolutely. So, I... Uh, that's it's a badass fucking scene though, man. Him, you know, standing mm. in I don't know where he's at, somewhere in Japan or something. It looks like, you know, in the street over some guy's body, and he's fucking ninjaed up. You know, that's it reminded awesome. me of the street uh, from um, Black Panther. No, from Doctor Strange. Oh, maybe I was thinking Black Panther, but like, I mean, it could easily be because that's what in Korea uh, mm. the Black Panther chasing, which was just fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Black Panther, were you surprised to see the reveal that Shuri did not Yes, I was. It? I was surprised that she wasn't going to have a bigger role in this one and maybe, like, helping out Tony. Maybe she's hiding. <laughs> There's a possibility. Because they also had uh, Ant-Man on that screen, yeah. too, and we know that he was, you know, in the quantum realm. Um, you know, maybe Shuri, you know, got out of Dodge or, you know, was in some secret lab somewhere trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe she comes up with a fucking Black Panther suit of her own, like we were hoping. Um, that'd <laughs> but be I mean, awesome. if she's gone, I can't imagine, like, having Cap go back to see the mom. 
reaction to all of that because they're still gonna be in Wakanda. Oh yeah, and uh, Okoye. They did show Okoye yes. in the trailer. Um, you know, that's the one tie to like the Black Panther. You know, world was Okoye being there, um, which was a nice scene. So I just I love that they weren't scared to just go completely bleak yes. with this with this trailer. So I was glad. Um, you know, until the very end, you know, um, you know, it was pr- a pretty dark trailer. Uh, what do you think they dropped any big clues? Um, I mean, I think the biggest clue for like how they'll use time travel is definitely, you know, Scott Lane bringing the um, quantum realm portal to the door. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't see much of like them telling us exactly what's going to happen. Well, I felt like. Um, Cap looking at Peggy, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like that might have been a clue, you know, with the compass and everything. He's wearing his old compass. suit, right, as well. And he's wearing the suit from Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that might have been a clue there. Um, you know, we've seen set, you know, photos from what we could guess is like some kind of time travel scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like they didn't want to go completely, you know, like show us everything at this point, um, you know, which I'm glad. You know, because I, I feel like they know that, you know, everyone's still kind of mourning and just dealing with how dark and twisted that movie was and how it ended. I hope so, that that's at least the first third of the film. I do too. It's them dealing with it. Yeah, I don't want it to be five minutes. Like, mm-hmm. I want it to be a good, you know, them just feeling hopeless and everything. Because Cap does feel like he's in that place during this trailer where he says, I hope it works because I don't know what else I'm going to do. You know, that that was a huge moment to hear Cap almost feel hopeless. Um, you know, rolling the tear and everything in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that was that was, that was was huge. Um, yeah, because really, like, we only saw Nebula, you know, representing the Guardians. You know, we didn't see Rocket in this, correct? Right. Um, you know, Thor in street clothes was, you know, was always a little off-putting for me. <laughs> you know, um, you know should have aimed for the head, Thor. Um, it is kind of his fault. It, <laughs> well, and it's really Star Lord's fault. Well, yes, but yes, yes. He should have aimed for the head. Yes, um, but yeah, man, I'm trying to think what else we're missing here. Um, what other scenes happened during this? We had Koi pop up. We talked about that. We had nothing with Strange, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, I really do feel like, you know, like you were saying, you know, with Cap in a suit, I think that might be, you know, really hinting at the time travel that we all know is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know how we're going to get there, though. I think that'll be the interesting part. Um, I'm a, You know, did Scott use, did he use one of those, like, you know, uh, time warps or whatever, what do they call it in there? The... She warns him. Yeah, she about warns it, him about right? some type of time loop hole. Yes, it. exactly. Like, yeah. be careful. Of, you know, maybe he used one of those to escape. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Scott is already you know going through time travel at this point. Um, it should be interesting, though. You know, I don't know how we're gonna come out at the end of this movie. I really don't. But I really did enjoy this trailer. <laughs> I really, I have to say, because I mean, there was obviously a lot of hype going into mm-hmm. it. It did not disappoint whatsoever i you know what i missed or what i wanted to talk about was actually all the images that they used from the comic books yes the scarecrow yes the thanos scarecrow 
really nice touch. You know, it just it tells me that they are honoring the source material. Mm -hmm. I mean, not page for page or panel by panel, but that's such a big, you know, scene in the original comic book. I'm glad that that was there, you know, and it's just so fucking haunting, you know, to have that there. Um, you know, I'm obviously, in the book, it's a retired Thanos, you know, so I'm guessing that's what's happening here. You see his hands kind of like brush against, you know, what looks like to be crop, some kind of space crop mm -hmm. or something like that with a burnt out like gauntlet, you know, on his hand. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting how he gets back in the fold. You know, does he have regrets? Um, you know, is it something where, you know, he ends up actually helping them to get everything back in the right place? Or do they have to go through time to, you know, throw him, you know, so. We'll see. Only, we'll see. I mean, only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll keep on speculating until the oh, movie drops. Oh, you know it. Uh, I can't look for the next trailer, to be honest. I know. I wouldn't think we get that. Um, Let's start speculating now. Right. I'm sure there's rumors already swirling. Ah, March. March? You think they wait till March? What's the big next big convention? March or February. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Super Bowl? Maybe Super Bowl. Okay. Maybe Super Bowl. All right. Well, speaking of big trailers, mm -hmm. there are rumors all of a sudden coming around that Star Wars Episode Nine might actually drop a trailer before the year ends. Yes. Which would be completely, you know, against their MO right now. Because <laughs> they kind of been following a, a, a I strict think, formula. I mean, they've filmed they pretty... They've, they've been filming for a while. I don't think they're officially wrapped, though, yet. So it would be early. So if they drop anything, it might just be the title, you know, and a little scroll, but... I mean, but I mean, even those like for early like Last Jedi trailers and those early um, uh, Force Awakens trailers, it was just pretty much sand, sand, cinematic pieces, pretty much. Yeah, and maybe it they give us just a couple brief scenes. Mm -hmm. But God, I, Last Jedi, like it did. I felt like that dropped in like the fall or something. Yeah, it was. And it they, was pretty close. Yeah, like we were like, where the fuck is the trailer? <laughs> At one point, so this would be really early mm -hmm. on because you—that's a year away. That's a year away. Um, so I mean, bring it. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to see some shit. No. I mean, um, but yeah, uh, we're getting rumored titles at this point. Yes. A couple different rumors. We've heard the new order. Um, we've also heard Son of Darkness. I would hope it'd be the Son of Darkness. The like, Son I, of Darkness. I like them having the the. Yes. Well, that's usually right. That's mm. kind of with the third one. It's usually the. Um, how do you feel about these titles? Um, Son I mean, of Darkness. Who does that allude to? That alludes to um, Luke and Kylo. How is because well, Kylo's the son? Oh, because what's his name calls him the Son of Darkness. Yes. It's not really Han Solo's his dad, so Han Solo's not. Darkness? Are they saying like Vader, like he's, or just the you know the dark he's, side? Yes, I'm. I'm alluding to the Force. Okay. Not just. All right. I'm taking it too literal. Is that what you're <laughs> <Yes>. saying? Because <laughs> I was like, is that really talking about Luke? Because we've heard that Luke has a substantial role in this movie. We're gonna some some get some serious like ghost. Yeah, you know, too many Force. Force ghost time going on here. So, um, yeah, I don't like either of these titles. Not gonna lie. <laughs> 
the Son of Darkness one goes along with the uh, the three titles. Okay, so we had Revenge of the Sith, and we had Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I'm saying um, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, um, The Son of Darkness. I don't know, man. I don't see it. Do you feel like this is just really going to be set up for, you know, the Rey center, you know, centric trilogy that we've I both think, kind of been predicting is going to happen? Like, I think this, this really will finish out, you know, Kylo's true redemption and then we'll go on to Rey's, you know, building the Jedi story. Okay. And facing a new evil, maybe. Mm. So, because the big rumor is that obviously this is going to be closure for the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I can definitely see. You know, we had the Knights of Ren rumor last week. Um, so, once again, we were kind of predicting that maybe they have something to do with, you know, Kylo's, you know, turn. Dude, if they use the Knights of Ren to build a new Imperial Sith Order, I'd be so happy. Imperial Sith Order. Give me all of that and then some. Where it's Tell not, me more about this. <laughs> where it's not the rule of two, where it's like they just train whoever the fuck they want. Okay, are you just are you just flowing right now, or no, is no, this no. based off of actual? <laughs> yeah, like, it's based off the old old republic, the legends. Okay, stories. Okay, where it's like um, they're before Bane. Bane comes along and he's like, "Okay, man, there's way too many Sith killing other Sith. Let's just make it a rule of two, and that's just how it goes down." Yeah, I hate so, the rule of two. By the way, yeah. So. so before that, it was pretty much just a free reign. It was just like masters training. It was basically how the Jedi Order had themselves. Yes. But with Sith, I'm like, I would love to see that. Give me Rebuild that. the Sith Empire. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're saying maybe this is the start of that, and that's what because that struggle is way more interesting. Seeing like a massive thing of the dark side and a massive thing of the new Jedi. I just feel like the rule of two one it just it really opens them up to just this formula formulaic like storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, we always have the apprentice trying to overthrow the master. Um, you know, and then it just hinders, you know, the badassery that you can yeah. have on screen at once. You know, I mean, they're kind of working around that right now with, you know, other medium with the Inquisitors and everything. We haven't seen them on screen. No. Um, you know, that's a nice workaround, it feels like, to the rule of two. But yeah, no, I, I'm all for that. You know, give me a whole fucking, fucking Vader's cannon fodder, though. Yeah, <laughs> they, you know, I liked what they did with them on Rebels. I mean, mm. it sounds it sounds like that's really what they are, though, in the comics right now is cannon fodder for Vader. But I dig it. I'm glad that we're getting fucking you know some evil Jedi running around, you know, um, Sith like Jedi, if you will. So um, I don't I don't know, man. I, I'm all for it though. Sign me up. Mm. <laughs> give me that. But I definitely feel like this is not the end of Ray's story, though. No, I would hope not. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe maybe it is Son of Darkness. Um, who knows? <laughs> who the fuck knows? <laughs> but we'll talk I, about it. Just because we thought Annihilation was going to be fucking that name. This is just the... Just well, the we beginning. talked Endgame. Exactly. We did come out, because that was a strong rumor for a little bit. And then the Russos, those assholes, fucking <laughs> keep on just throwing shit out there. And, you know, obviously, anytime they say anything, it's reported on you know, mm-hmm. for like a week and it's the main story. Um, the new one is that they're done with the Avengers movies unless they do Secret Wars. And I know we talked about that kind of um, last week. Um, and I'm like, bring on Secret Wars. You know, <laughs> give me Secret Wars. Maybe doing a new Avenger movie. You know, set up the new team after this. But then, yes, I'm all for Secret Wars, you know, and give me more Russos. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. You know, they're working us like fucking puppets. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's just Disney in general. So the way they're dropping these trailers, just, you know, I mean, they've got a fucking strong team around them. Because mm-hmm. they, I mean, everything that you've been talking about for the last month is all Disney related, honestly. From the Lion King to the Avengers exactly. trailer. So, um, all right. Well, you know, on to the worlds of horror. Um, we uh, got news of a possible Toxic Avenger remake. Um, and this time, it seems like legendary films have actually picked up the rights. Um, this has been something that's rumored, like, God, it feels like every couple of years. Mm-hmm. At one point, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually attached to it. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you, familiar you are no, with man, Toxic Roll Adventure. it out for me. So Toxic Adventure is basically a god. It is really the Mickey Mouse of trauma films. Trauma films is just this B movie company that you know basically their expertise is splatter films, um, just ridiculous B movies. Um, Toxic Adventure really being the first of those. They've done other movies like uh, Surf Nazis Must Die, Romeo and Juliet, and countless more. Um, Redneck Zombies, I believe, is trauma. Uh, Mother's Day, um, which was a movie that was actually remade recently. So this has been their bread and butter, though, Toxic Adventure. I believe there's four of them. There was actually even a Toxic Adventure cartoon in the early 90s, and it was for kids. It was like the Toxic Crusaders. There was a Marvel comic and everything. Um, Toxic Avenger is basically a spoof on, you know, a superhero, you know, uh, origin story. So um, he basically, it's what really would happen, you know, if your hero was, you know, and basically, you know, exposed to toxic ways, you know, they wouldn't still remain the handsome Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would be this deformed, hideous creature. You know, maybe with superpowers. Uh, <laughs> that really plays on that idea. So uh, I saw this movie when I was like eight years old. It totally traumatized the shit out of me. Um, I remember actually getting nauseous watching this movie because mm-hmm. it was probably, it was something that I've never seen before. You know, I think at that point I've seen like Friday the 13th, but this it was so over the top, insane and everything. Um, just ridiculousness on the screen. But a fun movie. A fun now, movie. Do you think a modern studio can work with that? Well, they were actually originally talking about doing a remake remake of the Toxic Crusader like cartoon. Um, I believe that's what it was called. So I don't know how that would work. I don't know much about that cartoon at all. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I would be more for a you know actual like Toxic Avengers like. So um, Lloyd Kaufman is attached to it to help co-produce it, along with the original um, director, who I can't, like, his name is eluding me right now. But uh, I don't know, man. I I feel like if you have a name like Ernest Schwarzenegger attached, it's not going to be that kind of, you know, B-movie that it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see, like, an Eli Roth or something like that, you know, doing this movie. Um, you know, I, they haven't had a... A director attached to this as of yet but I don't know I, I really I if they are going to remake this movie I feel like it needs to be in the vein of the original or there's going to be a lot of like old school trauma fans who are going to be pissed off 
So, um, which would be unfortunate mm. because it, it is it is the definition of an eighties B movie splatter film. You know, you I know just, what you're getting when you saw trauma on the cover mm. of that VHF VHS cover in like you know blockbuster. I just worry about them using a name rather than actually going with for it. You know, doing something. That's more not as true to it, you know, like mm-hmm. just making something that has the Toxic Avenger name, but it's not going to be nearly as gory. It's not going to be mm-hmm. nearly as over the top. It's going to be a watered down exactly. version of it. Yeah. Uh, PG-13, as you were saying. Oh, God. Okay. And, but, I mean, that's what you got with the Toxic Crusaders, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, that that is my big fear. Um, you know, like I could see like a Robert Rodriguez like, doing yes. a movie like this. Absolutely. Just, Having fun, you know, it is what it is. This is a B movie, you know, like mm-hmm. almost like how Machete was, you know. You know, this is just fun. B movie fun, let's go for it. Um, you know, balls to the wall, you know, not a care in the world. So just honor the original, you know, idea of the first movie. So, um, which was a good time. It was a good time. So even though it ruined my childhood. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, it's a fun movie. So I, I will let you borrow it, Christian. I think, you, I think you would enjoy it. So, um, but you don't understand a lot about me watching it now. So, but <laughs> <laughs> speaking of a movie that might actually mean a lot to you in your childhood, Resident Evil is going to be getting a reboot. Yes. Um, we actually have a director attached already, uh, Johannes uh, Roberts who did 47 Meters Down, and he also did one of my favorite movies of the year, and that's Sarcasm, uh, Strangers Prey Nights. <laughs> um, so that obviously, you know, made me get down on the project right away. Because yeah. <laughs> I hated the Strangers Prey Night. It felt like he never even watched the original Strangers. Um, but... A lot of people are all about 40 meters down. I've never seen it. So there's it, a lot of hype around it. There is it. a lot of hype around it. I okay. just, I don't, none of those films allude to what, you know, what I would expect from Resident Evil, whether it be the action film franchise or the horror game. Well, and what they're saying is, is they want to honor the horror of the original Resident Evil game. Mm. They want tone lines to go back to you know what made that game scary you know instead of being really just you know a crazy you know action movie with zombies involved um they want this to be actually a horror movie yes so and it's, it's a really the roots of cool the story or like you don't understand what this corporation is doing and you're you you go into this house and it's just a big fucking mansion mm-hmm. and then you slowly discover the atrocities that this corporation has been doing in this fucking underground bunker that you have no idea is there until like halfway through. I used to watch my roommate, who at the time was a mm. big gamer, um, he still is, but you know, my roommate at the time, uh, play the Resident Evil game, you know, I believe on the PlayStation, I want to say, and we would like turn off all the fucking lights and you know watch him play that game and we would i mean there are jump scares in that fucking game Mm. like it was some fucking creepy shit it was it was a good time so i definitely understand you know them going back to their roots and you know making this a true horror movie Mm. 
Um, I could definitely see that working if they, you know, get the right people behind it. I just, I worry about Johannes, you know, Roberts being that person. Yeah. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Like I, like I said, I've never seen 47 meters down. So. <laughs> but man, do Strangers Prey Nights suck. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Speaking of horror and comic books, uh, we are getting the first, you know, uh, post-Guardians James Gunn project. Um, we actually got a trailer, um, and it's called Brightburn. Yes. Um, it looks like it is going to be a horror version of the Superman story. <laughs> so um, I didn't know much about this project at all. I know it was actually what he was at, I think, San Diego, um, pushing um, when he ended up getting fired by Marvel. So they, like, canceled, like, mm. you know, the press for it and everything. Um, this trailer was amazing. I was so excited about this trailer. Um, they basically gave us, like, the Man of Steel trailer as a horror story. Like, from, like, the shots of the swing and everything like that, it had that strong vibe. Um, but this was basically a dark version of the Superman story. Yeah. And I didn't see this coming at all. Like I was uh, just on Facebook scrolling, and I saw the trailer. Yeah, I, it just I was scrolling, and it just popped up, uh, and I'm just like, oh, this seems like a cool, you know, action hero story, maybe just told from like an indie company, and then it just started getting dark. Yeah, it's like okay, it's like something's familiar about this though, because there's like shots in there that are like literally taken mm. from like you know Snyder's Man of Steel trailer, which was an epic fucking trailer. The movie sucked, yes. but the trailer was fantastic. Um, yeah, man, I really, really love this trailer, and it's a great concept um, because I feel like it's more realistic. Yes. <laughs> you don't want a kid to ever have that much power because nothing's more scary than a kid's rage, and if they actually have the ability to hurt you in any way when they're upset, mm-hmm. you're right or wrong, they would hurt you. You know, especially with that Superman-like abilities. Because he's showing x-ray vision, Mm -hmm. he's showing flight, he's showing speed and strength. So, I mean, they're not fucking around. This is Superman, a dark version of Superman's story. Um, You know, you've got the two, you know, uh, the the husband and wife, you know, on a farm. Um, You know, they're obviously, it seems like they're struggling to have a baby or something like Mm -hmm. that. And then there's a crash, you know, in the field somewhere, and they discover this baby. Um, and then it gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was I was definitely impressed by this trailer. Yes. I, I mean, for that short amount, I'm definitely interested to see where they take it, how far they'll go with this kind of concept. Uh-huh. It looks pretty far, though. Mm. I mean, they've got him, like, stalking some woman in a cooler at the end mm. of the bed. And then when that heat vision, you know, all of a sudden starts coming through that door, I was like, oh, shit, you know. Um, man, I don't know. I dug this. And this is actually uh, directed by, and I'm going to destroy his name, David Yarvsky. Um, He did The Hive, which is actually a pretty damn good indie horror movie um, from a couple years back. Um, and the screenplay is actually by James Gunn's uh, brother and cousin. And it also has Elizabeth Banks in it, uh, who... Uh, starred in James Gunn's underrated film, I feel, Slither. Mm-hmm. So, um, I love that film. Just fun. 
yes. fun <laughs> ode to like eighties like creature movies. So um, you know, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm excited for this film. Um, and it drops Memorial Day, so Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Um, we're getting a lot of good horror this yes. coming year. Thank we'll, God. We'll be talking about that, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. So, but yeah, it's going to be a great year for horror. Really, it really seems like it. So, um, all right. So that's going to do it for news. news yeah, let's move, move on, on to comics. In tandem, there. Dude. I know. I know. That's that's episode. <laughs> that's fifty episodes of podcasting. Hey guys, it's Seamus from Chew Gum and Crime and Movies Podcast. You're currently listening to Christian and Damon's Amazing Nerd Show. Find this show and a bunch of other incredible shows at DramaCityProductions.com. Now accessing comics. Alright. So this week we're going to start off with Justice League number 13. It's on. The totality will totally total the multiverse. What could possibly go wrong when the Legion of Doom gets their hands on it. Plus, what is the connection between Justice League and the new Batman Who Laughs miniseries from Scott Snyder and Jock? Um, so this was a return to form yes. for me um, after Drowned. Because um, if this issue sucked, I might have dropped the book. <laughs> Luckily, this issue did not suck, man. I love yes. <laughs> this was a straight Legion of Doom story. Um, this was all about Joker and you know basically you know his motives for joining the team. This showed you know his recruitment by Lex, um, and this showed him exiting the team. Mm. Um, fantastic. Just I mean, this is what I want. You know, this is all I want from Snyder. Um, there was lots of exposition in this book, but it made sense because it was a villain explaining his plan. Yes. Um, you know, basically, um, there was a deal on the table for the Joker, um, to join this team. Lex sees the Joker as basically almost a higher being, um, you know, someone who's completely like tapped into, um, not the totality, but you know, what it means to be human you know, in the truest sense. Um, he, you know, recruits the Joker um, with the one requirement of the Joker is the fact that he does not mess with the man who laughs. Mm -hmm. um, he feels like basically he's an abomination and, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, he, that's the only, basically the only thing that, you know, he gives Lex, you know, when he, you know, anything, it seems like it's the only thing he truly fears. Yes, I agree with that because he just feels like it, it, he, he doesn't belong in this world. So, um, you know, which makes sense because it's really what we saw happen at the end of Metal where he actually teams up with mm -hmm. Batman, which I, that's insane to even say, um, to take out the man who laughs. So it's basically, yeah, it's basically his worst fear, really. Um, but my God, once he's betrayed by Lex, which he saw coming a mile away, obviously, just the way he goes about leaving the Legion of Doom is just pure insanity and just awesomeness. Mm. Like, all, like, this is everything you'd want from, like, you know, a Joker book. 
you know, like I wouldn't mind like seeing like a Joker miniseries done by Snyder here, because he just goes through such lengths to you know discredit and you know make Lex look like a fucking idiot, mm. um, you know just the traps, the elaborate setup that he goes through to you know basically you know put a egg on Lex's face is just wonderful. Every so. single moment that Lex thinks he's like about to get the upper hand, it mm -hmm. just turns out to be another trap. He's just outsmarting him, mm -hmm. and it's you know I mean that's the one thing like Joker doesn't get enough credit for is his intelligence. You know, I mean, he's a brilliant, you know, I mean, just genius when it comes to, you know, oh, torturing, you know, his victims. Um, you know, he's an artist, if you will. Mm. So, I mean, I I just really just loved, you know, panel for panel, you know, him getting the best of Lex, um, you know, to the very end, you know, because really, I mean, he could have, you know, killed that entire room, you know. There's a recruitment drive happening, you know, with the Legion of Doom. He has to replace Manta after the end of uh, Drowned. Yes, exactly. And, you know, um, Joker sets them all up. There's toxins in the air. They all get Joker gassed. Um, Lex is in his lab. You know, he goes for his suits, which, you know, Joker once again, you know, says, you're predictable, Lex. You know, that's your downfall is how predictable you are. Um, you know, and then while Lex is trying to like throw up like all these different setups and all these different traps, you know, Joker's like explaining why he knew this was going to happen, you know, and kind of, you know, what lengths he had to go mm. through to set up Lex. It just, it's just a fun issue. It really is. Um, and it was, it was a, the perfect cure for a hangover after Drowns because like I said, I was going to leave this book, um, you know, but it, it just reminded me of, you know, how cool of a premise this series really is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just it, basically it's a Justice League versus Legion of Doom series at this point. So yeah, they might get a little off track here and there with these side stories, but really it's this race for, you know, between the two teams for the totality, um, you know, and when done right, it's beautiful. It really is, you know. Like, I've loved all of his Legion of Doom issues, you know, where, like, they've set up the origins of, you know, the different characters and, like, their motives for joining the team. You know, those have been the strongest issues. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and this was probably my favorite issue of the series so far, you know. Um, I just, I love how much it builds up not only the Joker, but the man who laughs. Because, I mean, he's going to all these lengths to show how much better than he is than everyone, but he still believes a man who laughs could, is, is much worse. Yes, and what is going to... He leaves Lex alive, mm. so he learns that final lesson, basically. You know, because he could kill Lex there. And he could, t like I said, he could take out the entire fucking Legion of Doom if he wanted mm. at that point. Just showing, like, how brilliant he is and is in, is in, in his insanity. Um, but man, you know, you're, I mean, just the amount of fear he has of the man who laughs. I mean, he's know? even holding like the doorknob that has like control over the totality. And he, he just, that's the thing is because the Joker's motives have never been about power. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about the cannon mouse game between him and Batman, you know, Batman's his obsession. So it, I was, oh, I was 
just curious to see, you know, his, you know, story in all this. Because it just felt so un-Joker-like mm. for him to really be part of this team. A part He's... of me wishes I could have seen that go out, though. That his whole plan. Mm-hmm. To have Lex almost win and then take it away from him. Yes, but that was beautiful, him explaining mm-hmm. everything. Like, this is what I was going to do. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wait. But I, I just love how he kept on calling out Lex. You know, like saying, listen, man, this is... This is your problem. You know, you're too predictable. You always shoot yourself in the foot. Your ego gets in your way. Um, you know, which is true. That's really his downfall is his ego. Um, you know, he could, and he was, the, you know, Metropolis's Superman before Superman showed up. You know, his problem was someone else was bettering him. And that really what what's turned Lex into who he is, is his ego. Um, you know, just the idea that someone else out there is more powerful than him. Um, it just, man, I love this issue. I really did. So, um, so I'm back on board with this book. <laughs> Until next issue. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's going to be a hard front going into like the Hawkman world and everything. It's going to be difficult. It really is. You know, I just have to keep in mind that there will be issues like this, you know, along the way to keep me going i just hope they don't get too far away from this Mm. you know make sure that you know the legion story is intertwined with the hawkman story you know and that whole tie-in because i could give a shit about hawkman (laughs) i don't know if i've said this before what i worry about is if they continue to go into like each different like characters you know like have an event for each character like this Mm-hmm. And they keep introducing all these weapons and such. Does that mean that by the end, that's what they're going to use to win? Is like each has their own specific, you know, super powerful weapon that can kind of just like defeat the bad. You're guys talking about them. when you say weapons, you're talking about like in Drowned, where they introduce the tier of, of whatever. extinction. Yes. Yeah. Oh god. And then next you get the Hawkman world, and then maybe it's like a fucking mace of of war. And well, they did like, right, right. Um, in metal, right? It was the mace that they had to use. Yes, correct? it was a special mace that they had to so use. So it's already there. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see it. I that sounds very Snyderish to me. Because I mean, what I've he, seen in the last, you know, exactly like what he did with Batman was each story had a purpose until the end, you know, and it played all the way even into metal uh-huh. with um, the new Fifty Two Batman. Like all those elements were like tie-ins that he had for this bigger plan down the road. And that's what I see. It wasn't as on the nose, though. They no. weren't consuming the story. You know, there were little elements and seeds that he kind mm-hmm. of, like, dispersed throughout the story that, honestly, those stories were perfectly fine without, like, ever paying attention to those yes. clues and everything. Which, which made that great. But yes. I'm saying, now that he's on this track and whatever the fuck he's doing, <laughs> it's just, I, that's what I see happening next. Is It's just going to continue to introduce elements, 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 and it's all going to tie in together to fight the big bad. And they're all going to have their little weapon and yes. everything. It does feel very, like, 80s cartoonish. Like, yeah. Um, you know, and look, I mean, look how Metal opened, you know, with the whole fucking exactly. Justice League Voltron, mm-hmm. Power Ranger, you know. They, like, I could even see that happen, some version of that <laughs> again. Um, you know, which people loved, you know. And it was, it was cheesy fun, but I didn't realize... The entire series was going to be mm. like that. 
Um, and there's been times where Justice League has felt like that recently. Um, you know, there's promising moments like this one. Um, you know, but man, this was, I mean, honestly, this was, I mean, this was a really, I really enjoyed this book. This is a great Joker tale. Yes. Um, you know, it's a book that I won't forget soon. And I've read a lot of comic books. So I just, once again, you know, it's one of the reasons why I love this character, stories like this. So Snyder just gets Batman in his world mm. and his characters so well. You know, even the way he portrayed the Riddler, I enjoyed in this. Oh, um, yes. You know, um, just kind of the Riddler kind of mocking them. And then all the villains say, no, we're out of here. We don't want yes. to be on the wrong side of the Joker. No, thank you. Um, you know, just showing the respect that everyone has for that character. And I was wondering if that alluded at all to the war of jokes and riddles when he mentioned that as well. Like, I could be pissing him off in my own time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and all those villains have crossed paths with the Joker mm-hmm. and the Man. But they know, they know what that means. You know, you don't want to be on the bad side of the Joker. So, and we still have, what, the three Joker storyline coming sometime Whenever. soon. Yeah. I don't know who that's going to be, but I don't think that's Snyder right I don't think so. so. Um, but Joker does show up in um, the new uh, The Man Who Laughs book that's going to be coming. Yes, and they yeah they tease that at the end of mm. this and everything, which I will pick that book up to see what it's going to be about. Exactly. Um, you know, it, do you know if that's written by Steiner? Yes, it is. Okay, I'm sure it's a direct tie-in to the mm. storyline. So, um, But yeah, I mean, it still gives me hope and maybe I'm a sucker, you know? I mean... Just give me more Legion of Doom, man. Give me more Legion of Doom. <laughs> but fuck Hawkman. Jesus Christ. Hawkman. <laughs> what do we got next? Um, Doomsday Clock number yes. eight. Uh, the critical and commercial hit series by Jeff Jones and Gary Frank continues following the shocking revelations of last issue as the truth behind Dr. Mahanan's Actions against the DC Universe are revealed. Osmandeus turns to the only being who can stop him. Superman. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> so I, I was really, you know, they alluded a lot in the last issue that it was going to be like Superman and um, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan finally talking at least. Mm-hmm. But of course we didn't see that at all. But this was a great fucking Superman story. This was. Like, for the first time ever, I'm like, I love this fucking Superman story for once. Yeah, you know, Judge Johnson, he really nailed who Superman is mm. in this book. You know, um, really just defined the character. And I also defined what he means to the DC universe, you know. Um, you know, just even, like, the way the Russians reacted to him and everything. Mm. Like, no, he speaks for everyone. You know, they gave him that respect. Um, you know, it didn't end well, though. <laughs> That's no. for sure. But um, yeah, we did not get any of the Watchmen characters in this book whatsoever. Um, except we do see Adrian in the very beginning of the book. You know, um, it. This was a great tale. This, I mean, this really once again. I mean, I know it's two months in between each story. Um, this one helped me get over that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But I feel like every issue is like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgive it every issue. You know, it takes me a couple pages to get back into the swing of things and, you know, refresh in my memory of what exactly is going on. But, man, I've, I've really enjoyed this series. Um, so, basically, um, it opens up with Lois and Clark 
you know, at the Daily Planet watching this altercation happen between Firestorm and the Russian superheroes. Um, Firestorm is accusing the Russians of starting all these rumors that are ruining his life right now with the whole Superman theory. And people are saying that he is part of this, you know, whole like government conspiracy, um, which he doesn't believe is true. Um, you know, during the confrontation, he basically goes like supernova and, you know, blasts, you know, a crowd of civilians and turns them into glass. Um, you know, to the horror of everyone, you know, and it's on camera, on live TV. So, um, you know, the next few, obviously Superman flies off trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, you know, to confront Firestorm. Um, but there's a press conference obviously held right away, basically declaring war against the United States. Um, so tensions are high. Um. You know, basically saying that, you know, this was an attack, you know, by the U.S., you know, on mm. our soil, you know, and there will be repercussions. So, um, but you also have Superman finding Firestorm, and it's just fucking heartbreaking. Um, you know, he has taken one of the glass, you know, people, a little boy, um, to like a cave or something. I'm not yeah. sure where they're at, but he's trying to basically reverse what has happened um which he's able to do after trying and trying and trying but i still think that's bs but oh yes and we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there though um so he's able to do um and then you have superman show up during this press conference and basically start to defend you know firestorm and metahumans mm. And there's this whole, like, cross-panel thing happening with Batman in a fucking, you know, in his, you know, bat plane, whatever, bat, bat wing, if yes. you will. And he's like, stop it, Clark, shut up, don't say it, don't say nothing. And Clark can hear him, you know, don't take a sigh. <laughs> and Clark just keeps on talking. Mm -hmm. um, and it does not end well. So basically, Clark defends Firestorm. Firestorm shows up to the horror of everyone. Things go awry quickly because, you know, they're starting to just shoot at Firestorm. And they're hitting these people that have been turned into glass and shattering them. And it is, you know, basically causing great trauma to everyone around, especially Firestorm, who knows that they're just killing people because he thinks he can save them yes. at this point. Superman ends up getting involved because he's watching this too um, and it just becomes a full-scale riot um, you know the Russian superheroes attack um, you know then all of a sudden um, you know Batman is you know, still communicating at the time you know and he's warning Clark um, you know and basically he tells them it's not Firestorm you know, at the yes, end. by the end. Yes, by the end, after Firestorm. Seems like he goes Nova again, like Supernova. And what we find out, it kills basically everyone in there, you know. There's no sign of Superman. We know he's safe, obviously. He's mm -hmm. fucking Superman. But, you know, shit goes wrong fast. So, I mean, I'm sure now, you know, next issue it'll be World War Three. Um, so, I mean, it was a huge issue. It was a great story. 
Um, do you think it was Dr. Manhattan channeling through Firestorm at the end? You know, it was weird for me because when Superman was in the cave with him, mm. I didn't think it was Superman. Hmm. So he felt off to me. Just the way he was talking to Firestorm. And I'm not a huge Superman fan, don't get me wrong. So, I mean, he just felt out of character to me. Because I could almost see this being Dr. Manhattan as, like, Superman. Like, something along those lines. Or Superman somehow being controlled, you know, by Adrian, even. Because the book does end, I believe, right, with Adrian? Yes. You know, like basically enjoying what has transpired um so i'm just wondering you know is this even superman because just you know oh we did have we didn't talk about it. we had superman actually show up to um i'm trying to think of black adams um, i don't know how to pronounce it yeah i'm not sure but basically it's his like you know nation now that's like a safe zone mm-hmm. for metahumans um, and he tells them that Firestorm is welcome here. Um, and it, it seems like it's definitely going to come to play soon. Uh, but that's, and then directly after that is when we see Superman with Firestorm. So I don't know. I don't know. I, something's definitely up. Um, I'm not sure what, though. You know, so, but I, I definitely feel like. You know, it probably was Dr. Manhattan in some form causing this. Um, was, and I'm, maybe I misremembered, was the, the light at the end kind of tinted blue? Yes. Yes. So I can definitely see somehow that's in play here. Um, but yeah, huge issue. That was issue number eight. So we've got, what, four more four issues? Four more. Man, and we save only four more issues, but that's eight months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But Don't I, you remind me, man. I enjoyed the <laughs> shit out of this. I really did. Mm-hmm. I really did. DC really knocked it out of the park this week. For me. Absolutely. So, um, um, but your thoughts on like, so you feel like it's definitely Dr. Manhattan here? I feel like, at least, I didn't think it was Dr. Manhattan controlling Superman. I thought that was Superman. Maybe Firestorm. But like, especially like, you don't hear who uh, Firestorm is talking to the entire time. Well, that's... I know he has he has the professor. professor in his mind. And he, he and thinks he's talking to the professor. Exactly. But maybe he's not. Maybe exactly. you're right. Maybe he's talking to Dr. Manhattan and he's manipulating him. But I don't see... What is Dr. Manhattan's motive to... See, that's why I'm thinking it's more of an Adrian thing. Mm. Especially with the way the book opened and the way the book ended. You know, Could it be like Adrian manipulating him? Because Adrian's pissed off. Maybe he's point. hacked into you know mm. somehow you know firestorm's consciousness and making him believe he's talking to the professor and manipulating him that way i could see that but like i said just like i was just waiting for the panel like during that thing where it just wasn't you there's know, just spark. there's so much anxiety behind that character as well throughout this issue i saying yes it yeah. was just like you know he makes the good points of like you know you've been so quiet lately um He's like, he's losing his connection to whatever's in his mind. Yes, during that, yeah, exactly. So it's just like, I am... Hmm. It was a nice touch not being able to hear the professor. Yes. Because it made him feel almost unnerving, like the way he was talking to himself and everything, you know. 
Because um, a lot of times when they portray Firestorm, you do get that. Like a flip. <laughs> well, you get like a little, you see the floating head or you see the little like panel where, mm. you know, the professor, you know, narrating or, you know, his, you know, dialogue going on that back and forth. So it was a little off-putting, you know, um, to just have a one-sided conversation going on. So, um, but it definitely, that, you know, built up the anxiety I felt. So, um it, it reminded me a lot of Civil War, how Marvel Civil War in the mm-hmm. comics started with um, the uh, New Warriors um, basically confronting a character called Nuke in this small town. It really just shows, like, in the real world, what these powers could mean and the damage that they could do. Basically, confront this character, Nuke, and he goes nuclear. <laughs> it takes out a whole fucking small town. You know, and that really starts the whole Civil War event. So, um, you know, it's a nice realistic approach to what, like, you know, metahumans would mean in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's terrifying to think of, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I dug this book, man. Uh, not to get too far away, but uh, West Coast Avengers finally does really allude to why Captain America would not like them to be a reality TV show. <laughs> What? What do you mean? Um, she, uh, Kate Bishop gets a phone call from uh, Cap, pretty much Cap saying, you know, you, we never said you could be a team, and um, we're not sanctioning you. He explains that he has to go off and fight some of what they're going to talk later. <laughs> Listen, I got to deal with Hydra right now, but we're going to have this talk. <laughs> well, um, it's actually he's dealing with whatever was going on in the last Avengers. Oh, oh, Namor. Oh, okay, that's like, funny. I have to go fight Namor, but. <laughs> West Coast Avengers. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, speaking of Marvel side, we're on to X Men: The Exterminated, number one. Um, a death in the family in the aftermath of extermination. The X Men mourn for their fallen brother Cable, but no one is ta- um, no one is taking it harder than his adopted daughter Hope Summers. Will Hope be able to cope with the loss? Or will she be led down a dark path that she won't be able to return from? Only Jean Grey can save Hope from herself. Plus, celebrate the life of Nathan Summers with a story from his past by Chris Claremont. Oh, I didn't realize that was by Chris uh, Chris Claremont. That's cool. Um, what were your thoughts on this book, Christian? The second half, I didn't. I, I didn't know shit about, so yeah. that was kind of through me. <laughs> you had some very good questions. <laughs> and it's it's funny because I'm so like heavily like, you know, into like the X Men lore that it didn't even dawn on me. Like <laughs> for someone who's not been reading the book for mm. twenty years, it'd be a little confusing what the fuck was going on. Um, but I for me, I definitely I'm glad that this book exists just because I was going to be extremely pissed off if they did not address you know, how the death of Cable yes. would affect Hope. Um, you know, the fact that she didn't show up, like, literally the next page after Cable went down pissed me off. And it was probably the only thing I took issue with with the, with the series so far. And we still have not gotten the last yeah. issue of the series. Because, like, like, like you were saying, like, do we even read this? Like, is this going to be, like, spoiling the ending? Well, I'm now wondering if she's showing up at the end or not, but... Yeah, I mean, maybe she does. I don't know. Um, I hope she does, kind of. 
but I don't know. I just don't foresee it with just the way this kind of was, you know, telling us the story. And they did a good job of not telling us too much. Um, you know, we we all we know is not everyone dies. Not everyone's exterminated here. <laughs> so, but uh, this was a nice story of you know them mourning Cable. Mm. So I felt like it was nice to see these characters actually like react to Cable's death and what it means. You know, I always forget that Jean actually did go like travel into the past, uh, the future and raise like Nathan um, from a baby. That's such thing. a weird family dynamic. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> a lot of writers also seem to forget about it sometimes. Mm. So they don't ever really react to each other. Like, you know, mother and son or father and son a lot so it's weird but that is a story that you know exists it's canon um you know but it is a weird family dynamic to say the least because cable seems older than both of them you know mm. at least by a couple decades um so yeah it is bizarre um but i'm glad that they told the story um because a lot of times these character deaths happen in these event books and you don't get the aftermath mm -hmm. you know so um i liked that they included wade in this too um because i once again that's it that i actually you know felt shame because i was like oh yeah fucking deadpool would be guns blazing if fucking you know cable went down you know that's his best friend so um you know i was glad that deadpool showed up this is the like least obnoxious I've seen him in a long time <laughs> as well. Like, I really enjoyed him in this story. Really? Because he felt more um, grounded and more down to You know, they have it with, um, and I don't know if you were reading at the time, but the um, Uncanny Adventures book, they really did kind of mellow him out a little um, and made him a more heroic character. I read a lot of the beginning of okay. that. So when I saw, because, you know, he's selling, like, action figures, he's, like, fucking, like, he's the finance for that team for he, a little bit. He becomes a true, like, Avenger by the end okay. of that story, so, and he's kind of, like, the heart of that team by the end of it. They really mainstreamed him, um, which was okay. It was done well, so, but it seems like, from what I've seen in other books, they've kind of reverted him back mm -hmm. to, you know his goofy self so which is fine too um but yeah uh i don't know i dug this the second story it was okay you know it's cool that chris claremont is writing again so he's my favorite x-men you know writer i mean he is the x-men writer honestly mm -hmm. but um i'm not quite sure i understood the point of yeah. this story you know it was really a story of you know scott and mandolin um, prior um, when they first had like Nate as a baby and this is before he was infected by the uh, techno virus and everything like that so I don't know it's just kind of explain the family dynamic between all of them but it was like told through like Cable's eyes too yes. which is a little weird I mean he's an incredibly powerful psychic so and telepath so I, I'm, I'm not surprised that he could remember things but I don't know much about their relationship, so when I see, like, Madeline's very, like, you know, they they seem like they're done as a couple for most of the book, mm -hmm. and she's even alluding to, like, save the baby, I know you don't really care about me anymore. Mm -hmm. so I was just like, okay, what, what, is, what is the issue between you two? 
Yeah, and I'm guessing that maybe Jean just showed back up on the scene at that point, and you know, everyone at the at the time, you know, when they were first married, were were telling Scott Scott like she's like the you know, the picture image of Jean. You know, why can't you see <laughs> something's weird here? And we do end up finding out that it is the clone of Jean. You know, mm-hmm. done by a sinister. So, and she eventually turns into the Goblin Queen, everything goes to hell. So, um, literally. Um, so, it, it's a very, you know, convoluted storyline, to say the least. You know, a very X-Men storyline, which I love, but for a reader just picking this book up who might not know that, yeah, it'd be confusing. All that. And even for me, I'm like, well, what's really the point of this story? You know, and maybe it's going to lead to something, or maybe after reading the end of, you know, Extermination, the final book, maybe it'll make more sense. I feel like it's not going to tie in whatsoever. Yeah. I, <laughs> then I don't get it. I really don't get um, it. You know, like, it really was like, I don't know if it was like the one happy moment they had as a family, you know, when they kind of went through that. You know, even Uncle, you know, Havoc was there. Um, but otherwise, yeah. I, I could have I just done with, you know, give me a few more pages of the gene and, mm-hmm. you know, Hope story. Oh, by the way, I do appreciate that they destroyed the time machine. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Just hold on to it. Or yeah, I mean, that's bullshit, though. You know you know, there's another time machine somewhere Somewhere, else. yes. Yeah, yeah. She has the real time machine, you know. She, oh, I was, I was, part of me was like, you know what? She's She's been using Jean's powers. Maybe she blocked Jean, like, made it look like she blew it up, but has it, like, has it, like, in her pocket this whole time? It'll, it'll be in another book. Yeah. You'll see her with it in, like, her back pocket or something like that, so... Or Wade has it. Because Wade knew what she was going for. You know. As soon as he said that, too, I was like, oh, she's looking for a time machine. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm surprised she's not just walking around with a time machine, honestly. So, um, you know, I also liked the um, dialogue between her and Bishop. I thought that was kind of cool. Yes. You know, so that was a nice, you know, character moment between the two because it would make sense. He was Mm -hmm. the villain, you know, for them, for her entire, you know, childhood. So <laughs> it's a little off-putting to have them coming up and offering, offering his condolences. So, um, but that's the X-Men, right? Yes. <laughs> you ever come we, game of yes. Life. Oh my God. They just forgive everyone. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on, we had Uncanny X-Men number four. Um, just when things didn't look like they could get worse, the ride of the four horsemen of salvation. This is this just a story to get us on board for climate change, or <laughs> maybe I guess I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, your thoughts on this? I I didn't enjoy this issue as much as I guess the first few. Like I've been, I've been like kind of like you know going along with the road, but this one finally is just like, eh, I, I could move on without this title really at this point. Oh really? Okay. It, it it's not, it's not like I'm mad at it. It's just like it, it's not doing anything for me really. This felt like in between issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really did feel like this was more of the kids' story too. Um, you're kind of seeing them finally come at odds with Gene or the team. Um, you know, armor, you know, really being the mouthpiece, um, confronting Jane and, you know, everything that they've been really, you know, angsting about for the last couple of issues. Yeah, but she's coming off like a fucking moron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's Yeah, bothering. trust Legion, right? Exactly. Um, 
yeah, where Pixie's kind of the voice of reason between the young, you know, X-Men. Um, I, I don't know where it's leading. Um, you know, so basically they are pissed off at the X-Men because they're not willing to listen to Legion, even though he was warning them from the get-go. I mean, part of it does make sense because you would think that they'd want to talk to him more and question him, especially, I mean, Jean's an extremely powerful telepath. So you would think that she'd have some way of getting more information out of the character. So I kind of understand where Armor's coming from, from that point of view. But at the same time, you don't fucking release him. You don't free him. You know, that's insane. You know, that, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, and like, why would you think that you could control him? You know, um, so um, I, I thought it was a nice moment to when um, Armor's the one who saves them all. Yeah. You know, from the explosion. And they and they show appreciation for that, but you're talking about when they tell her to come with them on the mission. Well, even like after the moment, they're like, "Storm you saved our lives." Yeah, Storm does. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I think it is bogus that they're making the team do cleanup duty, <laughs> and you would think the tension. But they're the rookies. They, I mean, that's that's part of the deal, and you know, with the X Men, and it's I I do like the dynamic that they. They have Cannonball and Jubilee part of this main team here because those were two characters who are younger X-Men at mm-hmm. one point who were going through these growing pains. So I'm sure that's on purpose, you know, here. So, um, you know, because that's kind of how it works. You just slowly become part of the team. I'm sure part of the problem is Armor was like kind of like part of the team from the get-go and she probably feels forgotten about. And that's just due to writers forgetting about um but you know um this book felt more about that dynamic than anything else you know we did get x-man stuff here um you know him sending off the horsemen to kind of like cure the world's ills and kind of really showing off how powerful he is yes but i want to call bullshit on something here Mm. they talk about like one of the ways that he shows how incredibly powerful he is is by like sitting there and telepathically communicating with the world and they're like oh my god this power i can't believe he's displaying this kind of you know force and you know um capability i feel like i've seen the professor x do this like multiple times you know that i honestly like in the books i feel like <laughs> i can't cite an issue mm-hmm. but i feel like we've seen this before yeah but so... they, they try to nerf that by saying like oh mate like I don't that's why Professor he needs yeah. the um, Cerebro like, and stuff like that. During that moment, they say that's what no, he needs that's not. I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm trying to give them uh, a little help here. Because <laughs> at that moment, I was like, I, I feel like even Cassandra Nova could probably... Yes, and she might have <laughs> too. That's another one who I feel like has done something similar. Yeah. But so um, it's just, I guess. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But he doesn't use the Cerebro to do that, though. No. Nate. But, okay. I see what you're saying. Comics. Yes. I Comics. mean, Apocalypse, Apocalypse makes a good point. You know, he's captured me. He's put all of us like, yes. here. Um, he's got all of our powers under control while he's also projecting this message. Mm-hmm. You know? Fear of him. Yeah. Yes. Fear of him. So, um, yeah. But this was a very typical, like, between issue, mm-hmm. which was really just used to flush out kind of just multiple storylines going on here. Um, 
we don't know his true motives just yet. I feel like there's probably more to it than what he's doing. Um, I like the idea, too, of Legion feeling responsible for everything, you know, since he's the one who basically caused the Age of Apocalypse, you know. Um, what do you think about Jamie joining up with the team again? And he's going to actually let Legion, you know, go through his plan. That I think that kind of drove me nuts. Because after he Jamie... was just torturing you. Yes, right? Yeah, that was a little weird. That was a little weird. And what could possibly be his plan if his last plan was to create an army of himself? Yes. It's How just... is this plan going to be any different than tying you up to a chair and, you know, um, producing a thousand dupes of yourself? I was intrigued by the fact that when the X-Men did encounter the Horsemen this time, you know, there was this moment of, like, well, you can fight us or we can work together in a different way where it's like they're trying to s destroy things that are hurting the environment while um, the X-Men are just trying to protect the people. When um, they're destroying the oil, yeah. whatever, and then they're like, okay, either save these people or you'll take us out. You know, and the X-Men obviously made the choice to save the people, but they're like, well, we're going to destroy this, you know, oil refinery or whatever they were doing. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that was a nice moment. Um, you know, I just, I, I, two, also, like, I feel like, I think I was saying this off mic, I feel like Glob and Omega Red aren't going mm. to be, like, horsemen for long. I feel like you're going to get two more horsemen replacing them. They just feel like such cannon fodder to me. And um, when will it be armor, you know? Yes, <laughs> right? Um, I could obviously, I feel like armor or, yeah, you'll get armor and, um, what's his name? The blob, glob, glob, globby, whatever his name is, you know, or rock slide. So, I mean, um, it'd be interesting if it was Legion and Ultimate Man, like they just get sucked into it, trying to fight them. Yeah, maybe, maybe but, Legion would definitely be here. That would be his downfall though, if it is Legion, because mm -hmm. I don't, you know, Legion, I feel like, I mean. The guy can alter reality, so I, I don't even know if Legion. I feel like he shouldn't be overpowered by X Man, but we'll see. We'll see how that battle goes. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a battle I'm looking forward to. Is that confrontation between those two? Because those are extremely powerful mutants going at each other, and X Man has obviously been you know upgraded since the last time I mm -hmm. saw him. So um, yeah, but it, it was definitely a tweener issue, definitely. Yeah, more about fleshing out storylines yeah. than anything. So, do we know how long this arc is going to be? Or I think it's twelve issues. Twelve. Okay. Yeah, we're on what issue four? Mm, so, 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 so I mean, it's weekly. Mm -hmm. So you know, we'll see. And we're going to go right into the age of X Men. So, even though I'm saying it's twelve issues, it's really longer. You know. So, I hope that these are like actually. I mean, it says the age of X Men, but you know, I I hope these are fully connected there's not going to be like this weird pause and then it goes into the next story because i thought you know that's how i thought um exterminated and this was going to be i, I did feel like they're going to tie together and it doesn't seem like mm -hmm. they're connected at all at this point. now i mean with it being age of x-men i mean that seems way way too convenient and it would be completely tied into this but you know i'm guessing that reality does get altered by legion somehow mm -hmm. and then you are living in an x-man like ruled like you know due to you know the time stream getting screwed up or something or 
if it's just a world, you know, our Earth, you know, 616 Earth, I should say, our Earth, um, being conquered by X-Man. But I feel like it's going to kind of, like, echo what happened with, like, Age of Apocalypse, especially mm. with, like, Legion and Bow. I mean, and we're also seeing that Cyclops has somehow been resurrected and Wolverine is back in the fold, um, you know, just through solicitations. So, and it doesn't really seem like they might be the last X-Men standing at that point. So it would kind of make sense. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Well, before we get off comics, uh, I got a chance to sit down with Jeremy Whitley. Um, Tom from over from Heroes Garage, you know, invited me over. We uh, Our good buddy. Yeah, good buddy. Uh, we worked together and did an interview with Jeremy Whitley. A crossover. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy Whitley, the current writer of The Unstoppable Wasp for Marvel. Yes. Uh, he also is working on Rainbow Bright, mm-hmm. and he's the creator of Princess. Princess, yeah. All right. So, um, it, it's awesome for him to sit down and give us some time, you know, and give us a perspective of what it means to be a comic book writer. Now accessing interview. Hey, this is Christian from Christian and Damon's Amazing Nerd Show. Uh, I'm here with Tom from Heroes Garage, and we're talking to Jeremy Whitley, Eisner-nominated writer of Princeless, and then he also writes Unstoppable Wasp, that's his current Marvel book, and also um, Rainbow Bright. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. I'm happy to be here. So we want to just kind of introduce you to the to our audience. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us your origin story and what got you interested in becoming a comic book creator. Yeah, um, so I, I got started on comic books early as a kid. Um, I, I used to live in Northern California, and uh, my dad would uh, take us to the comic book shop there every you know couple weeks and pick up stuff. Um, you know, when you guys was the case for a lot of kids that grew up in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, a lot of my first stuff I had that was comic book related wasn't comics, but like trading cards and um, you know stuff from animated series. Um, but you know, I always kind of I got into comics that way and, and stayed in for a while. And then uh, you know, unfortunately, at one point we moved and I kind of uh, didn't have a local shop, so um, fell out of doing that for a while. Um, but then uh, you know, I, I got really into writing throughout middle and high school and, and that was something I decided I wanted to do I went to school for um, and I think right after I, I graduated college um, you know with a degree for writing I uh, I stumbled back into you know the local comic shop there in, in Chapel Hill North Carolina where I went to school and um, I uh, I got kind of hooked back on comics via um, you know X-Men and um, the new, uh, I had actually gone in to find the, uh, new Buffy series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that point they had just started over at Dark Horse, um, because my mom, my wife was a big Buffy fan. Um, and you know, it, it just so happened that I had a, a helpful comic book guy that was like, Hey, if you guys are, are reading and liking this Buffy stuff, you should, uh, you should pick up this X-Men stuff that Joss Whedon is writing right mm-hmm. now. You'd probably really like that. Um, and as it turns out, I did, and uh, I picked up several other things. And I think the book that did it for me and, and made me realize that you know being a comic book writer was a, a thing that I could do was uh, I was reading Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughan, mm-hmm. and um, it's like, oh, so like people write comics that aren't just about superheroes. Like there's all mm-hmm. kinds of stories and stuff that, that 
people tell through uh, through comics. You know, this is this is something I could do. Like this is really exciting and interesting, and I don't have to know how to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, I I can't draw for anything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of where I where I got hooked back in, and I, I started doing um, some of my own creator on projects, some of which have never actually made it to being comics, mm-hmm. um, some of which made it a few issues in, and but one of which was uh, Princeless, which uh, I'm still doing uh, roughly eight years later at this point. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it, it's been ongoing for, for quite some time. Yeah. And when you think about your creative process and what kind of ideas energize, what kind of ideas do energize you and, and help you to... Uh, to gain the ideas that you need to write the books that you write? I've said this before to some extent. I, I think I get excited about new types of stories and, and things that are um, different. I, I've never seen before. Um, but also I think one of the things that sort of excites me most when, uh, when I'm looking at other stories is when um, I see a story that I feel like has a lot of potential, but that, uh, I look at it and I'm like, man, I would have done this so much differently. Mm. It, you know, it's so much cooler if we would do this. So, you know, they have this whole concept over here. They're not, they're not paying attention to, you know, in, in favor of this other thing, which isn't all that interesting. Mm. Um, I, I, I would do it this way. Um, <laughs> and a lot of times, things that you know, end up being, you know, the stories that I'm unpassionate about that end up turning into my own thing start out as like. A thing that I was like, well, you know, this is this is a book that could be good, but it's not not quite good. Yeah, I actually had that experience with a book that I was reading uh, regularly, uh, the Champions book in Marvel, and then you wrote, I think it was the Monsters Monsters Unleashed. Monsters Unleashed. Yeah, and I love that. I just loved your character work, and I felt like the voices of the each individual member of the team really popped out. They felt like they were actually different characters with their own personalities. And I thought to myself, man, I wonder what this this property would be like if someone like Jeremy was writing this. Because um, I think that's one of your strengths just in reading your books is that you're really good with character work. And specifically, you're really good with female characters. Um, like in Rainbow Bright, there's a young female protagonist named Wisp who's courageous and adventurous, a young girl, and she goes on an adventure to gain like magical powers, and that story is still unfolding. And so I'm, I'm curious on how you, how do you, um, what's your process for doing such good character work? That's, I, I think for me, like that's the stuff that I'm really interested in. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, the big fist fights and, and uh, superhero stuff is, is fun, but like, the books that I, I really love to read are the books that have really interesting, uh, fun to read characters. I mean, um, you know, Champions was a really cool opportunity because it's full of, of uh, characters that I already love. You know, I, I really love uh, Kamala Khan, Vision, and um, Amadeus Cho. Like, these are all like really great characters. To get the chance to, you know, write a story in, in their team book was really. Yeah, you know, it was something that when I I got that option, I was like, yeah, like I want to do, want to do something wild and really, you know, sort of uh, have fun with these characters. And uh, 
you know, luckily Marvel and, um, you know, and, and Mark Wade, who was, you know, writing the book at that point were sort of on board for us to, to try different stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, it was, it was fun because I, I had sort of this idea mm -hmm. of like, um, doing this story with them and, uh, introducing, you know, the freelancers in that story who were, who were not characters that existed before that as like, what is, what would be a, what's a fun thing for me to have, you know, these hyper optimistic teenage, uh, characters like well what if what if they were fighting disaffected 20 somethings <laughs> you know, the, the sad versions of, of what they could become in 10 years yeah. Um, yeah that's that I think that lent itself really well to, to doing character stuff because uh, you know it's immediately like mm -hmm. uh, these are these are as different types of characters as possible from them and, and mm -hmm. they, they just can't believe that these guys are so uh so careless and you know, uninterested in doing the right thing. Yeah, well, I think. I, oh, go ahead. I, I see a lot of that in um, uh, Unstoppable Wasp as well. Like, not to piggyback too much off of what Tom said, but your character work really comes out, and you know, you you face a lot of. I mean, you use so many diverse characters in um, Wasp, and I was I was wondering, is there any kind of like challenges that you face? You know, when you're trying to. Um, write a different type of character with a different background because i mean a lot of these characters have more than just you know one trope about them they have you know they have their culture they have their own personal personalities how they're handling it in the modern day times and i, I really loved how you've used them especially in unstoppable loss so far um yeah i mean there's there's definitely different characters i think present very different challenges i mean um you know if we're talking about like janet van dyne she's a character who has so much history in the Marvel universe mm -hmm. first has been written mm -hmm. so differently in so many different time periods, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to reconcile all those things and put it to one character can be, uh, difficult to say the least. Um, but you know, I, when we started, when we first sat down and started talking about that book, I was like, you know, if we have a supporting cast, I want to make sure that it's diverse and that we, you know, get different perspectives on this because, uh, you know, it's it's cool that we have this character who is very focused on on science and is a female scientist in the Marvel universe. It's, you know, as this we've gotten a few, quite a few more of them in the last few years, but mm -hmm. uh, there weren't very many of previously, as compared to the number of you know male scientists that are around. Yeah. Um, but you know, I wanted to make sure that uh, we didn't have another you know situation where it's, it's like. Uh, like the male scientists in the Marvel Universe where there's, you know, 10 white dudes at the top. Mm -hmm. um, they've, they've slid in, like, Amadeus Cho and Black Panther in there amongst, you know, all the Reed Richards and Hank Pym's and um, everything else. Um, and I, I thought it was a nice opportunity since we, we do so much with uh, kind of like actually talking about real science in the book to uh, create characters who... Uh, differentiate between types of science mm -hmm. um, you know because well people in the real world like spend decades going to school just to learn about like biochemistry i, I think it's this weird phenomenon in uh in mm -hmm. comics where like you get people who are astronauts who also know lots of stuff about medicine and mm -hmm. um are you know chemical engineers in their spare time um, it's just 
a weird kind. Yeah, it's comics. <laughs> <laughs> comics logic. <clears throat> yeah, he has a doctor at the beginning of his name, so of course he knows how to like treat a cough, right? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they touch on that a lot, like when someone has seven PhDs, that now they can do this and that. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean that's that's fascinating. Yeah, like I feel like there's very little chance that Reed Richards is really up on the latest in like nursing. Right. <laughs> not, a, not a thing he's really into. Um, yeah, I think you know the sort of diversity in experience as well as diversity in, in culture and uh, types of characters is, is really um, important. I, I think you know to a, a well-rounded when it comes to something like science, and I think it shouldn't be any different in comics. Um, and, you know, we we set the whole thing in, in New York, so I was like, well, I want I want a group that's actually reflective of like what a group of you know smart teenagers from New York would look like. Um, so they they should all you know look different. Um, mm. and that's an incredible thing about you know New York that I I felt like the first time I was there that you know just walking from neighborhood to neighborhood in New York, like the language being spoken on the street changes. Um, and, you know, just the whole whole vibe of the city changes, you know, in a, a matter of like five or six blocks. Yeah, I think that um, kind of piggybacking off that, I think one of the strengths in your writing is, even though I'm a middle to, I'm an, a middle-aged white man, I feel like your writing speaks to me. And I, I get the feeling that if I were a, a 20-year-old, like, um, a woman from another nationality that it would actually speak to them as well. And I just think that, that that's a real strength of your writing. And to me, that, that speaks to thoughtfulness. I think somehow you're able to kind of empathize with the, the position that your characters are in and kind of put yourself in their place. Yeah, and, I think you know, something that sticks out to me in, in stuff I like that I try to do is um, that like specificity in, in a lot of ways makes people more relatable. Um, I think, you know, that's the case with, if you look at like that first issue of Ms. Marvel with, with Kamala Khan, like, she's, in, in all the specific ways, she's different than, like, Peter Parker, but in, like, mm-hmm. very general ways that come out of those, like, she's very similar. You know, she's a, a smart mm-hmm. teenage kid, you know, in school just trying to, trying to get by, kind of nerdy she's kind of awkward mm-hmm. um and, you know she has this this very like lived in feeling life that uh you know takes a lot of either you know firsthand knowledge or research to get right but then like the end result ends up being that like people reading that who don't have that same life uh can still can relate to that so clearly mm-hmm. um and be like you know oh this thing that's this for her is so much like the same kind of issue that I have with my parents who are, you know, this sort of protective nationality or, or religion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I, I think it's, it's funny cause it's a combination of things that like you have to do so much research to end up with a character that, uh, you know, ends up feeling natural. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to know what you're talking about and, and mm-hmm. run it by people and think about it. Um, and then, you know, the end result ends up being that it, it feels like you didn't. 
And you're a you're a father and a husband, I gather. I I read a little bit of your bio, <laughs> and uh, I just was interested in like how much your family influences your writing and how much you see yourself kind of pulling in some of the aspects of your true life experience into your characters. Yeah, um, I I absolutely um, find myself pulling in you know, stuff from real life into characters, um, but also like stuff from just people that I know in real life um, in yeah. characters. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think people are fun and interesting and fascinating. Um, you know, I think picking these like, very, very specific details of, about, you know, uh, people you know or, or yourself or something and working them into characters, you know, ends up making them, them uh, interesting in ways that just generalizing doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, I think, you know, some of the, some of the most interesting and, and memorable arguments and, and stuff about people is, is, are little things like, you know, I've heard this uh, first thing I ever heard from Marvel was this uh, short secret love story uh, back during Secret Wars and it, it has, um, you know, Iron Fist and Misty Knight um, and then you know, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are in it. There's, there's just this bit of uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones having an argument about peanut butter. Um, <laughs> Which is like, so has nothing to do with superhero comics whatsoever. But almost every like couple that's known each other as long as they have have had some sort of argument like that, or you know, right? There's just this one thing that you're like, I love this person. They're perfect. How could they like creamy peanut butter? Like this is just <laughs> yeah, so dumb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, but those kind of elements make them more human and right. more relatable when you read them. That makes them more fun, right? You know? <laughs> yes, that's, that's what I love about that kind of stuff. Um, and when you like for stuff like that, like uh, when you are working on any type of major event and anything like that, if you have to do like any type of piece, like I know you did a couple uh, issues for Secret Empire, you did a tie-in. Is there any like um, I don't know, like how much does collaboration goes in between the main books and the tie-ins? I was wondering. It's, it's funny cause it's so dramatically different for, <laughs> for different events. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, like, like I said, that was the first thing I ever did for Marvel. And I had like secret wars was a really weird beast and that things were sort of going off in every direction. And that was massive. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of part of the thing, right. Is like, mm -hmm all these different worlds and different types of things and like basically they gave me you know like a paragraph synopsis of, of what was happening and kind of what they wanted and they were like just shoot us some ideas and um that ended up being one of like three or four ideas that i sent in um but then like the you know the tie-in i did for secret empire with uh, with underground um like when I first found out about it, it sounded very much like, oh, you know, we're going to have a group of Avengers that you, you get used to go wherever and find a cosmic cube or a piece of cosmic cube. I was like, cool. So can I have this character and this character? And they're like, no, you're going to have <laughs> these characters. And I was like, okay. So like, it is a specific group of characters. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And it has to happen at this point in the story. And as to follow these beats, and I was like, oh. <laughs> it, it sounded like there was going to be a lot of, like, 
wiggle room. And then I started writing and you were like, no, just do this. Uh, but yeah, I think that was, that's a result of like, you know, different types of uh, events because, you know, it was, it was folding so tightly into uh, what Nick was doing in the main event. Um, yeah. I think weirdly uh, it ended up feeling very different than a lot of that event. Um, mm. Just in, in, the style and tone of it, but uh, yeah, it, it's still like story-wise folds right in, into the uh, the rest of everything. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be interesting. Just um, collaborating not only with other artists and other writers, but just with like a big organization like Marvel when they had these huge events. Um, I think for comic book fans, we kind of and podcasters, we kind of geek over some of the creative process there, and we all have our guesses. So it's always nice to hear someone that's kind of in the seat that you're in and to hear how these things actually go. That, that's, that one was, it's so weird for me because I think, you know, I started out with Princeless, which is sort of all my thing. Um, you know, and I, I just I decide what I want to do on yeah. that. Um, yeah. But then, like, you know, there's plenty of, of things that I do for like My Little Pony and things like that that require approval from like a you know an early level, but I'm not trying to tie directly into eight other things that are already mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, yeah, I mean, Marvel is a whole a whole different beast that requires a whole ladder of of editors and writers and checkers mm -hmm. just to make sure you know um, the hundred books they put out a month don't run into each other and yeah. waste nuts. Those two. Yeah. So when you think about the some of the characters that you've had a chance to write, what what's a character that you'd like to write that you'd love the opportunity to write the book or or, or team or team, right? I mean, there's a couple. Um, I think I've I've always kind of had a thing for um, you know misfits and teenage superheroes. So like, I love the Young Avengers and mm -hmm. Champions and the Runaways. Um, those are all, you know, characters that are, are close to my heart. Um, I, I'd love to work on all of them. Um, and then I have, you know, characters who are sort of long holdover favorites of mine. Like, um, I'd love to do more with, with Misty Knight than I have. Um, I've in, on the Civil War tie-in I, I did, I wrote all of like two pages of Storm and I was like, man, I love Storm. I want to write more <laughs> Storm stuff. Um. Yeah. You know, so that would that would be a big one for me. Um, in general, I'd, I'd like to do more X stuff, um, but I'm I'm also somebody who likes a lot of the just peripheral characters that I, I don't feel like get a lot of love, and I, I feel like have a lot of potential. Misty Knight is one of those for me that like every time she pops up in something, I'm very excited, and then ultimately usually I'm like, ah, could have been better. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked it if they'd done this. Yeah. I know I would absolutely love to see you do right. an X Men title. Yeah, I think you do such great character work, and seeing you know how you would write for each member going forward, I would love to see an X title from you. I, I I'd love to do it, and I, I got to I got to dip my toe in that a little bit back during Monsters Unleashed because I did mm -hmm. a for all new X Men there, which is all about uh, Gambit and uh, and Laura Kinney, which um, is a fun duo to play with. Um, I, I think that may be the, the meanest I've ever been to an illustrator because I set the whole thing in, uh, in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. So 
<laughs> the whole thing is a crowd scene. Um, it's, it's just horrible. I didn't think about it as I was doing it. And then I went back and looked at the, page, at the book after, and I was like, oh, my God, why did I do this? <laughs> um, so um, but, yeah, I, I'd love to do that. You know, I, there's a lot of characters I'd like to write out there for, for somebody that haven't worked for, like, you know, DC. I haven't um, done anything for to this point other than some test scripts and uh i love uh I love batwoman i love vixen um I, I feel like both of those both those characters and Zatanna um are all characters that i feel like could easily carry their own book and i, I wish you got to see that mm-hmm. um, i think there's so many interesting things to do in that world um for them to publish you know uh, ten Batman books and not be able to do a, a Vixen or a Zatanna book is uh, a shame. Yeah, yeah. Some of the most interesting character work that I've seen on the DC side has been in like Detective Comics had some Zatanna stuff in it, and uh, for a while, um, I think it was Hope Larson was writing uh, Batgirl for a while, which I found very interesting. And um, but it's uh, actually reading over there is Mister Miracle, which just wrapped up. Like it's so interesting and so heavy on on character stuff and you know something that like five years ago if you had told somebody there was going to be a like an award winning you know twelve issue Mister Miracle series they would have been like yeah no yeah way. <laughs> yeah I I went into that book not knowing right. like anything about Mister Miracle and I I think like now I want nothing but Mister right, Miracle <laughs> <laughs> and Mitch Gerard's is our is the artist. <laughs> It's, just, uh, just tear down a whole like chunk of books that are already out there and just have like a, a Mr. Miracle and a Big Barda on yeah, right. <laughs> right. I rushed to the comic book store to issue five of that just because of the Big Barda Scott Free. <laughs> I, I I love Barda and that so much and I, I'd, I'd like to see more of her out there. Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful about you know Willow's uh, run on, on Wonder Woman that's coming out because Wonder Woman's another character that's a big favorite of mine. And uh, yeah. I think it's a shame that you often see people writing her that don't seem to get what's special about Wonder Woman. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you had Greg Rocca did a really nice job, and then they were kind of, I would say, lost at sea a little bit. And now I think, with is it G. Willow Wilson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the issue 58 was wonderful. And... I still have to read 59, but I, I have a lot of hope that that story is going to really take off with Wilson in charge. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the two of them are two of my, my favorite writers. It's hard to beat Willow yeah. and, uh, and, and Raka. Like, Raka is, if, if there's a, a writer I aspire to be like, I, I think it's that guy. Cause, yeah. uh, that's a guy that every time I, I see his name on a book, I'm like, ah, oh, man, let me, let me get that. Yeah. Um, I feel like there are a lot of people that got into Batwoman after hearing about Batwoman. And then, like, I was reading his, his room detective at that point, and I was like, this is so good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is perfect. And, you know, people who haven't read that relatively short run, like, I think that's prime stuff. Like, that's the best yeah. case has ever been. Yeah. I, I get like that. I get hooked on different writers. And a writer that I really like right now is Kelly Thompson. And she wrote some 
Nancy Drew stuff and she's doing West Coast Avengers, but she's going to start a book, uh, Jessica Jones, and I can hardly wait to see what oh, she she's does. She's taking on Jessica Jones? That's what I believe. I I, I'm pulling that. I think that's already coming out. I think it's just digital first. Oh, is it? Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't got. I haven't got caught up on that one. But yeah, I, I love Kelly, and it's so it's so funny to me because like when Princeless first started coming out, she was working at CBR doing like uh, a podcast and doing a bunch of reviews and columns and stuff over there. Um, and you know, there was a point where she was interviewing me about that, and you know, she was you know getting into writing comics, and now like. You know, the two of us are, are yeah. you know, Marvel stuff side by side. It's, it's a long, winding, like seven, eight year road at this point. Yeah. And I see a lot of, she does really good character work as well. Mm. And she does a really nice job on Nancy Drew of just the characters feel different. They feel young. They feel fresh. They feel it's exciting. It's interesting. I can hardly wait to see what she does on Jessica Jones when I start reading it. Um, so I think we're getting close to kind of landing the ship here. Is there anything that you want to talk about? Any, uh, any current project you're working on or anything that you want to let people know about? Um, I think, um, right now, I think one of the more, uh, interesting newer things that uh, I'm working on is the, the Rainbow Bright series over at Dynamite, um, which is, is really it, it, I think it sort of runs parallel to uh, the Nancy Drew series that you're talking about because they're both sort of like young, uh, new you know, takes on, on stories, on characters that have been around for a long time that uh, you know, Dynamite has, has picked up and taken on. Both Kelly and I have sort of jumped onto those characters and, and sort of tried to make this uh, new, new world out of it while keeping this uh, you know, older character feeling like that character and rainbow brights a lot of fun because it i feel like there's not a lot of canon there it was all of about 19 episodes um of the original series and i feel like there's all this stuff that's hinted at about sort of just the size and scope of everything um that we do we get to take on in the comics and there's you know just mm-hmm. things like rainbow bright didn't have an origin story and you know the original cartoon so like We've gotten to go back and sort of build her from the ground up and uh, really dive into her character and uh, do some interesting stuff there. <laughs> yeah, she's courageous. Um, and the thing that I love about it is it turns a lot of tropes on its head, but it doesn't do it on a table announcing itself. <laughs> and to me, that's the most interesting stories is when just within the natural course of her day, She's courageous, she's adventurous, she's going for it. <laughs> and um, it's just a lot yeah. of fun. It was, it's been a lot of fun for me because I, I wanted to do, like, have this character who is not not hesitant to be a hero in the way that, like, so many characters are, but, yeah. like, hesitant to believe that she's yeah. important. Like, yeah. you know, she, yeah. uh, you know, she says uh, a couple times in the first few issues, like, that she... She doesn't think she's anybody special to her. She's not anybody special. She doesn't have sort of a divine birthright or, or something like that. Um, you know, she's not specially trained. She's just sort of an ordinary kid with 
an extraordinary ability for compassion. Um, and like, that's what makes her special. And that's you know, what makes her a hero because despite like not really having a thing as far as she's concerned, she's still willing to you know, jump in and try. You know, people need help and they're asking her to help. So she's going to try whether she thinks she's special enough to do anything important or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the things you, that, that, you know, you've said today that kind of resonated with me was like, uh, I, I like to write. I've, I yeah. loved writing, you know, through high school. Uh, it was kind of like one of my, uh, what was it called? Um, Dream? Uh, coping skills. <laughs> coping guess, skills. Okay. That's and everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, you know, hearing you say, you know, you don't know how to draw. I don't know how to draw whatsoever, yeah. but I've been writing these characters for so long. And I was kind of curious, where would you say is a good place to start if you wanted to get your characters out there or if you were a type of writer in, uh, in the industry or anything like that? I mean, I think the neatest thing with comic books is there are a lot of, you know, artists out there trying to get in as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. folks that are working on stuff, and that's how I started. Is you know, um, my my first series, which is not really in publication anymore, uh, but I, I did with my uh, my friend Jason Strutz, who's an artist, and um, it's called the Order of Dagonet, and it's basically the the pitch for it was just like uh, these mythological creatures of England come back, and the only people who can stop them are are the knights of england but of course all of the modern knights are all actors and authors and rock stars so uh, it's, you know ozzy osbourne fighting dragons okay <laughs> that, that's what we're going for and, and like you know we just had sort of a fun pitch and we were doing our own thing and, and getting it uh self-published and printed and um i think you know that's not an easy way to do it but it is um a way to do it um is you know Get your stuff out there from whatever we can. I think my advice, looking back on it, it's completely the opposite of what I did, um, would be to write something, start with something small, start with something that you can finish and, um, you know, either you can talk somebody into working on with you so that they have, you know, something to show for it as well, um, or that you can afford to pay somebody to draw, um, you know, if you're looking at doing something that's eight or ten pages that's much more easily paid for than you know, paying somebody to draw your 20 issue 40 page series <laughs> <You're right. laughs> um, yeah, that they're going to be working on for the next 10 years um yeah. yeah so you know do something you can complete uh there's always people who are looking for um submissions for anthology and stuff like that if you see something that is interesting there you know try and follow uh Small presses that do that kind of stuff and talk to artists and go to conventions and uh, you know I, I think having having big ideas and long shot stuff that you want to do is, is good you should always have that always be working on those but uh, having finished comics is the easiest way to like be able to go to an editor and say hey I would like a job making comics here is a comic that I made <laughs> please hire me yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You you can go up to people all day long and be like, "Hey, I'm a writer," and say, "Oh, what do you write?" And they're like, "Oh, well, I have these ideas." <laughs> yeah. Let me pull out my giant journal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, having an eight-page black and white comic 
is is miles ahead of you know having hundreds of pages of notes on things you know yeah and you're right there are tons of resources out nowadays i mean you can yeah. go online and say hey i need an artist and yeah. you're going to get plenty of pages that are going to pop up yeah yeah absolutely and there are, there are always people that are looking for work um you know i think uh whether you want to uh, do something that is is your baby and you don't want anybody else to have part of and you want to pay them to do a thing that is entirely possible um, it's always it's also possible and a little you know trickier to negotiate working with somebody to create something that you don't have to put the whole bill for mm -hmm. yeah yeah well jeremy thank you so much for coming on our show it's uh it's great to just kind of geek out and talk about books and uh we're just so grateful that you took the opportunity to to talk to us tonight sure i'm, I'm glad to do it anytime Spencer. feel free to Feel free to hit me up again. Okay, will do. Uh, definitely, if you're listening to this, go pick up Unstoppable Wasp uh, issue number yes. three. Comes out this Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, because I've been, I've absolutely loved this series so far. Yeah. And I will also plug Rainbow Bright. I've read the first two issues of that. It's really a nice, really nice work, and there's a lot of really good themes and a lot of really good character work in there. Seamus and I'm Red. Together we bring you the 727 Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to making you laugh at the world of conspiracies. Some episodes we look at two real conspiracies. Others we make up two of our own. With loads of fun and laughs, you'd only be hurting yourself by not listening to our show. Find 727 on your favorite podcast app or simply visit dramacityproductions.com slash seven. Thanks for listening. And, and always, always stay, stay woke. woke. Now accessing wrestling. So this weekend is the TLC pay-per-view. Don't go chasing waterfalls. No, a little bit more. Are they back? No. No? What, what? Did they ever really break up though, Jim? No, I think one of them died, right? Oh, I have no idea. Well, now you've ruined the whole segment. <laughs> God damn it. Way to bring the show down, Christian. Uh, but you know what hasn't Left died? Eye. Left Eye died? Let's walk away from what the are you <laughs> no, I'm to... It's part of life, Christian. You know it's what part of life. <laughs> well, what isn't dead is WWE, so we're going to... Not yet, at least. <laughs> Did you see the ratings this week? No. It's another record low. This week was also yes. low, even after? Yes, like, yes. They tried. People are turning off in droves. But anyway, there's a pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> this was the go-home show. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to go over the card. Yeah, we're going to preview the card for you, make our predictions, or we're making predictions. Yeah, we always make predictions. Okay. Yeah, we All got right. them. All right. So uh, we have no idea the order of this card once again. Yes. Um, we will talk about the uh, Raw and SmackDown shows during the card. We're not mm. going to recap them, really, because there's not much to recap. Um, it was bo They're both very go-home show-ish, mm -hmm. if you will. So, but, uh, so starting off the show, well, 
Maybe. We have no idea. This might actually close the show, for all we know. But it's the uh, Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin match. And if Braun Strowman wins, he earns a WWE Universal Championship match uh, at the Royal Rumble against Brock Lesnar. Um, If he loses, Baron Corbin becomes the Raw GM permanently. Dear God. (laughs) (laughs) Please win. Now, of course, right now, Strowman has been out due to an elbow injury. Um, Baron Corbin's using this big time, saying that it's going to be a no contest, Mm -hmm. that he's going to show up. You know, they're going to do the 10 count, and it's going to be basically, you know, he is going to be the Raw GM. So it's very matter-of-factly right now on the show. Which tells me what, Christian? That Braun is coming. Yes, yes. I'm seeing a one-arm power slam and the one, two, three. So, um... I'm kind of hoping for a little bit more. I'm, really? I'm expecting... Do I want this match at all? <laughs> no. But I'm expecting, you know, even if that does happen, I expect Baron to get up and be like, no, no, no. Restart the, like, to fucking play some hijinks. I guess technically he could do that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't foresee that happening. I think it's going to be think a surprise. The, sh- the look of horror in his face, and then, yes, power slam, one, two, three. So, um, that being said, um, I-, I think we're both predicting that Braun Strowman shows up and does this, right? Yeah. All right, for the win. Um, that being said, if Baron Corbin is not the Raw GM, do we go back to Kurt Angle? No, we, we move on with Alexa Bliss. We go with Alexa Bliss. And that's kind of what people are predicting right now. Um, she's kind of primed for that spot right now. She's kind of, I think she's in charge of the women's division. Yes. Um, she's Very uh, TNA. What was that? Very like TNA style. Because they had a general manager of the For knockouts. the women's yes. division. Oh my, I didn't realize you were watching TNA at that time. I wasn't, but I was following the news. Okay. <laughs> I was like, who was the, uh, who was the knockout uh, GM? Was it Karen Angle? I think it was Karen Angle. Kurt Angle's a strange wife. Oh, okay. So, uh, who married Jeff Jarrett, but that's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that was real life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it is very... T- but, so, anyway, um, it's weird because she's doing this, like, fake-out baby face thing right now where she's kind of towing the line. It's all bullshit. It's, it's basically every promo that she ever does where she pretends like she's actually having like a sentimental moment and then mm. she turns on the crowd. So I feel like it's very much like that and, you know, just kind of in a longer longer form, if you will. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely foresee Alexa Bliss, you know, becoming the GM um, and Corbin kind of moving to the end of the line um, and being like in the doghouse with McMahons. Mm. So um, whatever. Um, Strowman's going to be getting the title match against Lesnar. Um, this week, we start off Raw with Seth Rollins coming out and just tearing apart Baron Corbin and the job he's been doing on making yes. quotation marks, even though no one can see me right now. Um, he was the voice of the fans, um, is what they were going for, really. Um, I like the idea of the promo. I don't necessarily like the execution of the promo. Mm. I just wasn't really sold on it. I know a lot of people took issue with it because it was like, okay, well, whatever, give us a better show. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was different. Um, I liked the idea just because it feels like, okay, you're you're rocket strapping, mm-hmm. you know, Rollins right now. You know, by giving him this kind of like voice of the people, you know, role, 
it's showing me that you are actually fully behind Rollins. I'll, I'll get behind it if it stays consistent. Yeah. Because yeah. If now, it becomes... if they're destroying segments, though, just so Rollins can comment <laughs> on it, then I'm going to get annoyed, you mm. know? Like, if this Lucha House Party shit has just been because they want Rollins to shit on it, that's obnoxious, you know? So, uh, but if it is like, okay, we, we admit that you know, the last, you know, three weeks have sucked. We're sorry. You know, here's Rollins, mm-hmm. you know, speaking some truth. Um, fine. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Just put on good shows. That's all I want. Honestly. Jesus Christ. Which, it'd be crazy to see if these ratings stay like this on our way to Royal Rumble. Because that's, I mean, that's our season. Yeah, that's... it is. And that's when typically the shows start getting better. Yeah. You know, which sucks, but... That's, it seems like they kind of take a break, unfortunately, you know, these months because they feel like the viewers are taking a break, you know, with the holidays and everything. They never put their best foot forward. Um, it sucks. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, this past like couple weeks have been extremely mm-hmm. hard though to deal with and watch. And they're just lacking star power, but it's their own doing because they haven't bothered pushing anyone else. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Moving on. I mean, the show this week was better, though, than what we've gotten, you know? I mean, it sucks the ratings were lower, but that's what you get when you put mm-hmm. such a horrible show on, you know, a couple of weeks back. So, um, but anyway, so uh, next up, we got Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. And we have no idea if this match is even going to take place. Uh, yeah, because Finn apparently is sick. He was pulled from a tour, I think, overseas. Mm-hmm. He came home early. Um, right now, they're working, and this is storyline, as far as we can tell, that they're working that it's an uh, injury of some sort. And I think they're kind of, you know, alluding that it was due to, like, the beatdown he took from uh, McIntyre, the Raw before. Um, but word on the street is it's due to some kind of illness. So um, they have not canceled this match at, you know, at the current time. We're recording this on Wednesday. So, um, there has been no replacement. You know, this match is still on. Um, this week, uh, we had Drew get revenge against Dolph Ziggler. Um, he lost to Dolph last week due to interference by Finn. Um, this week, Drew demolished Ziggler in the ring. Um, they seem to be really behind Drew. Mm-hmm. I hate seeing it be at the cost of Ziggler because I feel like I enjoyed the fact that Ziggler was finally like hitting his groove and getting some spotlight. Um, you know, he was putting on some great matches, you know, with him and Rollins and everything, and even as a tag with Drew. So I'm just hoping that, you know, Dolph doesn't get like, you know, lost in the shuffle now. Um, but I mean, I like that they're pushing Drew. Yeah. And- uh, do you see if Finn can't make it to the match that Drew would, uh, uh, not Drew. Um, Dolph. Dolph, that's the word. Uh, Dolph would be the one to come out then. Maybe I could see him it. At that moment. I could see it, but I feel like it, it'll be all for naught and it'll get demolished again. Yeah, but, but it. I mean, it would make sense. Like that's that would be the most logical substitute at this point. It would be the rubber match, basically. So, um, and they could put on a good twenty-minute match. But I was really interested to see Finn versus Drew. Because they have a history together, too, mm. which they're not really talking about that much. Though Once again, they're alluding to it. Um, but I feel like they could put on a really good match together. 
Yeah, but I feel like, especially if he's sick this close to it, mm-hmm. it would be cut at least in half. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like Finn's a gamer, though, where it's probably the doctors who are holding him off. Like, if he could be there, he probably would be, if they would let him. So, and I could see him still wanting to go as full, you know, 20. Would the match suffer because of it? Maybe. You know, maybe. Maybe don't. Who, who do you have match. winning? Oh, Drew. Drew. Yeah, true. I mean, unless they want to go, like, longer with this program and, you know, you want to take this to the Rumble um, and this be, like, you know, the blow-off at the Rumble happens and you get, like, you know, Drew just vanquishing, you know, Finn and taking him down. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I I feel like this is going to be a one-and-done, though. That's Mm. how I feel. What, What is the future for Drew McIntyre at this point? Uh, the universal title. You think it's just going straight? To I the think title? he's gonna. I think he's gonna feud with Braun. Hmm. I feel. I feel like Braun is gonna end up winning that title at Royal Rumble. Um, that being said, I could totally see Rock Lesnar retaining the belt, but I feel like that's gonna end up happening. You're gonna have him and Drew going hmm. at it for a while. So it'll be something different, something fresh. Um, man, Drew's just firing on all cylinders right now. I'm enjoying his character. I'm enjoying the push that he gets. And, and just in Ring Man, he's fantastic for such a fucking big guy. <laughs> he can fucking move. Mm-hmm. Um, everything he does looks brutal. Um, it looks real, which is great. So, And he, he's good on the mic. So they just have to give him something to say. Hey, I've been a fan since The Chosen One, so... There you go. There you go. Yeah, I took The Chosen One, too. Mm. You know, I don't know what the fuck happened, but... Babyface uh, McIntyre out there, but yeah, uh, I saw a picture just recently of oh, that. Yeah, of... I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what was he like? 14 here? He got huge. Yes, too. Yeah, yeah, he definitely filled in a little. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no. Anyway, I, I really do feel like the future of Raw is Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. right now. Um, the just the way they're booking the shows and everything is really just around his character. I um, feel like, I mean, not to hold on to this too long. But I feel like when Roman Reigns eventually returns, that that's a perfect foil for him at this point. Yeah, now Roman, speaking of which, Roman was, I guess, at the tribute for the troops. Hmm. Um, I haven't heard anything of a possible like return for him soon. Like we don't really know much about what's going on with him medically. You know, I, I'm assuming he's in treatment and everything. I mean, of course, people right away start speculating that he'll be back by Rumble and everything. Um, you know, which would be insane to think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Because, hmm. uh, like, they really didn't give you any kind of timetable. I mean, I kind of want to see what this mania would be like without Roman. Not, mm-hmm. not because I, I don't know. Vince it's okay to ass. still be sympathetic for him and not <laughs> want to see him, you know, main events at Rumble. Hmm. I get it. But yes, yes, I agree. I guess the uh, the rumored match was going to be The Rock versus Roman. Like, The Rock was going to enter the Rumble, win it, and uh, challenge Roman. I have for the title. zero interest in that. <laughs> I, Me too. So, but I'm, That's now that Roman seems scene. to be off the table, that match is completely not going to happen, I wonder if they'll still have The Rock at Mania. You know, and for, like, what role? Because knowing Rock, like, is that a it probably match? ties into some kind of, like, PR, you know... I, 
See, it felt like they were building towards Triple H versus Batista, though. But then also, you've got Triple H is injured now. Mm. Oh, yeah. So I don't even know if he makes it to Mania, which I'm okay with. <laughs> I don't want that guy to be injured, but I don't need to see another Triple H match for a while after that Undertaker match. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> they could both ride off into the sunset. I'm okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know who would who Brock would face. Honestly, maybe Brock? No, Brock's going to face whoever's Universal Champion. You're going to have a, what, just a match for the yeah, match day? You don't think so? No. Rock and Brock? No. It rhymes, though. It's, <laughs> in my no. mind, it's Braun versus Brock at me. Oh, God, no. I don't want that. I don't want Ooh. it, but I see that. I see Braun no, I takes... To, I got to... Braun takes the title off of I'm him. I'm sticking to my original prediction. <laughs> Seth Rollins is going to main event WrestleMania. At least for that Universal title. Wow, what's, what's the pay-per-view after Mania usually? Is it backlash. A, backlash? Yeah, he, he'll win a backlash. Who? What? Seth will be there at Backlash. But not, not, not at Mania? Of, he'll be at Mania, but he's not main event. No, he's main event. It's, it's Braun. All right. Braun and Braun. Well, you know this. Because <laughs> we're going to replay this when he main events. So I, I've got him going. I think it's going to be Brock. I think it's going to be Brock versus Rollins at Mania. Somehow it's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know how we get there, but it's going to happen. Well, that means Braun loses at Rumble. Maybe he can... no because there's ma- there's pay per views in between. Oh, there's a stupid. There's a couple. Well, there's a couple paper pay per views in between there. Maybe it's not to April, man. Rumbles in January. Come on, get a calendar. <laughs> I know the distance, but I just I don't know. I'm just saying. I I think he'll win, and then you know, or he won't, because God knows they love doing that shit. But then you go into Rollins, you know. Or maybe it's Rollins versus Drew. No. There's no way it's Rollins versus Drew. That would be a, too good of a match. <laughs> <laughs> we got AJ versus uh, Nakamura. We didn't think that was going to happen. No. But that was SmackDown, so it didn't really yeah. count in McMahon's eyes, right? Yes. Okay, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the pay-per-view, okay? Well, we have the We're most booking in- Mania. <laughs> we have the most interesting match of the night. We have Ginger Mahal and Alicia Fox versus... R-Truth, and Carmella. Does this really get on the card, you think? I'm assuming. Multiple sources are putting this on the card. I'm guessing. No one wants to watch this shit. (laughs) This is horrible. Well, the Mixed Match Challenge does well, does it not? On Facebook or whatever they're doing it? How do they even... What's the... I don't fucking know. Okay, what's the analytics on that? Otherwise, Um, yeah, I could totally see this being um, pre-show. Yes, I feel like this is made for the pre-show. So, um, predictions? Our truth and Carmella. Dance break! Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. They love that. When, since when does McMahon's love in that shit? Like, he anyway. came out of dance with them and everything? Yeah. That's probably gonna be... <sighs> see, but then, see, that's your fun... Well, yeah, that's your fun moment for the pay-per-view. That happens in the dead center. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's really... Oh, no, New Day's in there. They'll do something fun. I guess. He's got to have a stupid comedy, so... Um, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I don't want to see that on the card. Bathroom break. Anyway, so... 
Next up, we have a ladder match. This is bizarre. Elias versus Bobby Lashley. Elias's guitar is hanging above the ring. Is it a special guitar, at least? <laughs> Not one that he wants it's to It's a gimmicked guitar that can break over someone's head. There's no point. Huh? There's no point to that. Well, it's is not it is it like to, it's not storyline wise? It's not gimmicked. Is it like you win if you get the guitar? No, I think it's kind of like a uh, like a fucking kendo stick on a pole, pole match. match. Yeah, they used to do the uh, coal miner's glove on a pole match back in the eighties. So yeah, yeah, that's some that's some deep south wrestling right there. Okay. So. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's pretty much it's just an excuse to have a ladder match, pretty much. Um, who do you got here? I guess Elias. It's, it seems like Bobby Lashley has been pretty on top on television lately. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Leo Rush. Leo Rush. Yeah. yeah, he went over on Elias this past week. So, wrestling booking tells you what Elias has to win. Elias is gonna win. Yes. So and they like it more. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I enjoy Leo Rush with Bobby Lashley, but they're not really doing much for, with mm. uh, the almighty Bobby Lashley right now. So, um, he's still awkward as all hell in the ring. <laughs> it sucks. I really had high hopes for him mm. coming over from TNA, because it felt like it was really clicking for him over there, but I don't know. I don't know if he's just not feeling it. He just doesn't feel comfortable out there. It's just awkward at times with him. You know? Well, I mean, he went from that to this. It's just yeah, but that shouldn't affect him actually in the ring. I'm not talking about like him on the mic. I'm talking about in the ring. There's just something seems off to me. I don't know. I don't know because he was actually impressive, like in the ring at TNA. Mm. Like I was actually enjoying Bobby Lashley matches. So it's weird. It is weird. I don't get it. So, but sometimes it's just about confidence. Um, all right, well, moving on, and I feel like they are definitely behind Elias, so I, I, I agree he's going over here. Uh, we got the Raw Women's Championship match, Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. I just view this as a stepping stone match to move forward. You know, we already knew that it was originally supposed to be Natalia yes. in this position. We talked about that last episode. So, this is a one-off. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's a squash. I hope we get some punishment for Naya after you know taking out Becky, mm. literally punching her in the fucking face. I cannot. Once again, I feel like she straight up punched her in the face. I feel like she got pissed off and hit her. Mm. That's what it looked like to me. So, I feel like she should get buried here, and I hope that's what I'm hoping for. She has been painful on the mic, absolutely painful on the mic. I mean, I know like. Everything's scripted, but it's just been hard to watch. Even, like, what they've scripted is, like, it feels like they forget, like, or we're, we're supposed to forget that they've even had a match before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I've already seen this. I know what happened. Yes, exactly. I know it's going to happen again. And I, I understand, like, character-wise, it's hard to make even sense of it just because she was just face, and they basically turned her heel because of Natalia's, you know, situation. So... Um, but it's just hard, like, you, you're killing her, character-wise. It's, they're, they're, they're big-showing her, mm-hmm. you know, with all these turns. Because she's turned, like, four times, it feels like, this year. Um, so no one can get behind her character or even understand. Even so, I mean, this has been slightly working for her, like, to a degree. It's material for her. I don't think it's working for her. I think it's ridiculous. So you're basically telling us wrestling's fake, because 
every time that she should punch someone, it should knock them out. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she keeps on bringing up that she fucking, you know, took her out with one punch. I was like, well, why isn't that happening every time you punch someone? You know, stop fucking honing. And I think it's hurting Becky, too. Mm-hmm. So I wish they just knock it off. I know they're trying to get heat for this match, but it's not helping. Um, do we see any kind of interference from the SmackDown women? Like I, mean, Becky, I would love to see Becky come out with a chair and, and just pummel <laughs> her. Yes. Oh God, I would love that. <laughs> Holy shit, I would love that. I don't think it's happening. No, I I don't think there's going to be any interference in this match. Does she come out pummel her? Rhonda gets DQ'd because of it, and then you have like a face off between Rhonda and like Becky, where they just like stare down, teasing mania. I guess, but it would be like a stare down where Becky's like backing away. She's on the ramp already leaving. Okay, that's fine. I, it's still a stare down. I'll, I'll I'm, I'm saying it's not like them standing in the ring just. That'd be leaving. huge. The crowd would go yes. explode. I'm <laughs> put it put it on the record. That's what I'm calling. Um, and I then, definitely think this is a night for the women in general. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and we'll get there. But I agree. I agree. Um, next up, what do we have? Uh, we have the Usos versus the New Day versus the Bar. We have seen this match at least a thousand times. Yes. It's still going to be a damn good matchup. Yes. So it's always I feel like we say this every time the Usos and the New Day are even <laughs> in a match. We've seen them a million times. I really need to know how many times the New Day and the <laughs> Usos have faced each other over the past two years. Because I feel like it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, ever since the New Day's gone over to SmackDown, I feel like that has been, like, the tag team, like, you know, match for the pay-per-view. It's gotta be insane. Yeah, and I know right now part of the reason why is because we lost the um, Bludgeon Brothers, because they were in the mix. Oh, yeah. Um, it was Eric that got yes. injured, correct? Yes, and we have not heard from Luke at all. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I know that's why we're kind of treading water here. But I've enjoyed the matches. I mean, they had a rap battle this past week, and it was painful. It was horrible. Um, but it, in an okay, like a funny way, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be a good match. They always end up almost stealing the show. So, um, and Cesaro and Sheamus can always work with anyone at this point. Who do we have going over here? I don't know. I, I feel like <laughs> it's going to be so tough. Doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't, to be honest, right now. I mean, they're just going to hot potato that title uh, through Mania. I think it's going to be the Usos. You think it's going to be the Usos? I think it's going to be the Usos. They haven't had the belt in a while, I feel like. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like it's been a little bit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's the Usos. I, I don't know. I'll, I think maybe the bar. Is there any other tag team, <laughs> like, on SmackDown who could challenge for these belts? Uh, not logistically. You know, I mean, well, we've got... Up. What the hell's... Their, I can't even think of their name. It's been so long since I've seen them. Uh, there's Sanity. That Sanity, thank you. I was like, who the... Um, yeah, Sanity, right? But we but haven't seen them television. at all. They're not on TV at all. They're just waiting for... And, like, Nikki Cross kind of got called up, and now we, we haven't seen her mm-hmm. at all. I think I she's just, still doing NXT matches as well. Is she? At the moment. Okay. So she's not officially called up, I guess. Because um, I was excited for that. But yeah. Like, yeah, I, haven't, I don't think we've seen her since, honestly. 
So, um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I still feel like with Sanity, I feel like uh, they're going to end up being teamed with like Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Um, Wyatt, uh, this past weekend, deleted all of his posts. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, people are right away assuming gimmick change for him. He did wrestle at the uh, Starcade mm. uh, event that they held, um, but it was just old gimmick and everything like that. But I feel like they needed to give him a spot on the card just because he is a woman, so it only made sense lineage wise. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, and then Matt Hardy all of a sudden is saying that he's not retired, that you haven't seen his final match. So, which is bizarre because he announced that he was retired like two, three months ago. Stay retired. So, you wanted to say retired? I, I, I don't know. I don't want him to get hurt or anything like that. I agree with that. Like, if it's like, you know, gonna cost his, like, you know, if it's any cost his health, then yeah, stay retired. But I, I want to see Matt in the ring. I, I was, especially to go out that way. I love to see him as a manager. Oh, I want to see him. I, I feel like he just didn't get the opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. to really delve into that character in WWE. They did the Halloween special. I did not watch it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I don't know. I feel like there's more meat there. You know? Um, I don't want to see him and Bray together, though, anymore. No. Yeah, so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, back to the pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, we've got the WWE Cruiserweight Championship match. Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Man, Murphy. I am so excited for this match. Why are you lying to the people, Christian? <laughs> are you even going to watch the match? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'll so, this up. week on SmackDown, Mustafa Ali yes. had a match against Daniel Bryan. Feels like they're high on Mustafa Ali. Mm. Um, he had a good showing. Got some mic time. Uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, in a heelish way, put him over. Um, you know, Mustafa Ali felt like he had to introduce himself to Daniel. Daniel, I know who you are, you know, and just, you know, talked about how the people wouldn't appreciate his wrestling and everything like that. Then he asked him what kind of car he drives, and he said an SUV, so Daniel Bryan slapped him in the face. Um, they're definitely going with the um, crazy liberal, uh, you know, gimmick for Daniel. Um, it was entertaining, um, as much as of crazy liberal as I am I still enjoyed it um he apologized to sheep um it, it was it was fun stuff you know um Daniel Bryan is a true blue heel so I mean and I feel like this is probably the only way that he would get that mm. heel like he right now the way he's going with the whole sweater wearing you know um you know super ultra green you know Daniel Bryan so um I he I think last week he said that he hopes that his daughter grows up to kick everyone, in the, like any man in the balls, like every man in the balls, mm. something insane like that. Um, so uh, I'm digging it. I am. I have to say, uh, Mustafa Ali and Daniel Bryan though had a great match. Um, it's funny because Mustafa Ali seems like he's bigger than Daniel <laughs> Bryan too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we don't pay attention to those. No, things. no, it is what it is. So, um, but yeah, uh, Daniel Bryan went over. Um, he used the heel hook, which just looks vicious. I love it. I hope that's his new finisher, honestly. 
Um, and then after the match, he did that stomp thing that he's doing where yes. he's holding people's wrists and stomping them in the head, which also just looks fucking brutal. So I, I, I like those two moves added to his arsenal, too. It just makes him just even more of a heel and just feel dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, he feels dangerous. So uh, Next up, we got a tables match between Natalia and Ruby Riot. Um, this was uncomfortable. This whole angle. This was some of the best mic work I've seen Ruby do um, on Raw. So, but they had uh, Natalia stand in the ring, talking about their match, um, starting to cry, um, you know, bringing up her dad's name again. Um, and then Ruby came out and unveiled a table with uh, her dad's picture on and um, said that she's going to make sure that they're closed again when she puts uh, Natalia through the table, um, you know, with the picture of Jim on it. Hmm. So I just, I hate when they, like, when they use a depth to, like, put over a wrestling angle. And I know, obviously, hmm. they have Natalia's, like, blessing and everything, everything, but something about it just turns me off. Like, I didn't even like it with... You know, Ray winning the title, like, for Eddie at Mania um, years back. You know, that felt kind of gross to me, and this kind of feels that way, too. I mean, at least it's not like when um, Charlotte's brother got called out. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, that was really horrible. Um, No, it's not that far. It just... Yeah, and I know it's partially... I'm guessing, you know, Natalia, she probably feels like, you know, Jim would be all about this mm-hmm. and excited, but I don't know, man. It's just uncomfortable <laughs> to me. It's just a stupid wrestling angle. Like, come on. Cause yeah. not, I it made know. everyone everyone mourns differently, and that's mm-hmm. you know her prerogative. So I mean, if this helps her, awesome. Um, you know, I just hope it's not a situation where WWE is like kind of making like pressuring her into this angle because that's that's disgusting. Mm. Um, you know, but I don't I don't even think something like that i would hope not at least what do you have going over in this i hope natalia you know even though i i I want to see ruby riot get pushed Mm. like just because of the way this angle's been set up i hope natalia but like i was really impressed with ruby's mic work on raw she did an excellent job so it was like okay she's coming into her own it was it was just good heel work. I wish they would do something with them, you know. I do something different with the Riot Squad, make them more of a serious team or something. I could see Ruby getting a program with Ronda soon. Mm-hmm. You know, it would just be like you know them kind of like a holdover program until like you know Mania. But I could see that happening in the future. I wouldn't be surprised if that was like her next like you know, for at least a month or two. I mean, that would be good for her. It would be. It would be. And, you know, every time she's in the ring, the announcers put her over strong. So I feel like they understand what they have, and they're behind her at least. Oh, that's good. And they're featured a lot on Raw. So. Um, all right. Well, moving on, we have, uh, let's see. Oh, we've got Randy Orton versus Rey Mysterio in a chairs match. 
What the fuck is a chairs match? I have no idea. I'm just guessing that chairs are illegal. Yes. Okay. So, um... RKO onto a chair when Rey Mysterio tries to do a 619? God, I really... I feel like Rey needs to go over here. I mean, I really... I don't... Unless they've got something big planned for Randy... Because Ray just got back, and I feel like he's been losing a lot to Randy, so I feel like this is his time. And maybe the program continues and he loses for Randy in the long run, but I don't know, man. I could definitely foresee, like, Orton winning. Mm. I just hate every, <laughs> every second of that, you know, just because I feel like that just really shits on Ray. Well, have they done anything interesting on TV lately with the two? No, Ray hasn't really been there. Mm-hmm. So they really haven't done much. You know, and Randy is walking around with his mask. So, I mean, just classic, you know, heel shit. Yeah, which I dig, you know. And I've enjoyed Randy as a heel. They're just... I, don't, I feel like they don't know what to do with him right now. You know, he's like a... I mean, he's really just the mid-card heel. Like, he's the top heel in the mid-card, if that makes any sense at this point. So, which is fine. Like, I don't want him to be the main focus. And now that you've got Daniel Bryan with that title, I don't think he will be. Um, but, yeah, it's just a weird spot for Randy. It really is. So, but, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say Mysterio here, even though my brain's screaming that Orton's going over. I'm sticking with Orton. Yeah. I, I my heart is with Mysterio. But, yeah, my brain's saying Orton. So <laughs> I'm going to go with my heart this time. I'm going to say Mysterio. Um. All right. So next up, we've got the Intercontinental Title Match: Dean yes. Ambrose, Bane himself, <laughs> <laughs> uh, versus Seth Rollins. Now, so Dean didn't have the mask on this week. Why he just had the coat. Just the coats. Um. Man. And this is a. Now, this isn't listed. This is a TLC match, though, right? I believe so. Okay, yeah. I think this is a TLC match. So it's not listed as that, but I believe it's a TLC match. It's going to be a good match. You know, I'm excited for this match. Um, I see Ambrose going over. so that I do, too. Up. I, I do, too. You know, once again, you know, for his big run, right, Christian? <laughs> he's not... <laughs> He's not main eventing. He's main eventing, Christian. You'll see. You'll see. He'll probably be in a program with like Baron. Oh God, no! Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like you think this is gonna go on to fucking April? <sighs> I don't know. No one wants to see that. Baron I Corbin. Just, I doesn't don't see that. trust them whatsoever. No, rightfully, rightfully so. Um, but I definitely feel like. I feel like, oh God, I'm going to say Rollins wins the fucking Royal Rumble. I think he's entered number like two. I think he goes through the whole goddamn thing. And then he has to defend his... Huh? Know, and then he'll defend his spot at like a pay-per-view. Sure. I guess. But he's getting to the to, to main, main event, man. But yeah, I think Ambrose gets that belt. You know, they have a match, you know, as a blow-off for the program. You should switch brands. You should go after uh, uh, Daniel Bryan. 
<laughs> just to spite you. Uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> You're like, fuck entertainment value. Just to screw over your prediction. WWE fucks <laughs> entertainment yeah. value on a regular basis. Don't give me a hard time about it. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. right. But I agree. Dean goes over here. Mm. Um, Dean keeps on mentioning Roman in his promos. It's a little weird. I'm, I'm guessing he's got Roman's blessings. They asked... Um, yeah, they're best friends. Yeah, so they they asked what he thought of, um, you know, what Roman would think of this. And he's like, why does that matter? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then uh, the other... And I, I don't think I talked about it on the podcast, but he uh, said that uh, Roman got what he deserves. Mm. Like, oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. So, but Roman must agree does with it, that. Does it go with the whole, like, disease angle? Like, everyone's... Oh, God. I don't know. How Is far, that why he's got this gimmick? It? I have no idea. Is he the Scarecrow now? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's happening? He's not Bane, he's Scarecrow. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. I don't know. That'd be man. interesting. A different Batman villain every week. I will say... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because he's really just, like, channeling Heath Ledger's mm. Joker, right? We both can agree on that? Yeah, before he even came. Yes, yes. Yeah. That was what most people, like, compared him to. Like, YouTube... Do you think that's why it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw them for a fucking... <laughs> I'm gonna come out as Bane! <laughs> <laughs> I'll show them. Mm. I'll be a, di- a different Batman villain. Uh, I, yeah, so anyway. Ambrose goes over here. His promo was better on Raw, though. Um, I'm wondering if Corbin is maybe one of the reasons why Rollins loses the match. Um, you know, and set up their main Corp well Corbin screws him over. Here's the prediction. Corbin screws him over the rumble, gives him a low number, you know, first entrance or whatever to punish him, and then lo and behold, you know, he wins the whole thing. You know, he's the people's story. People's champion. So you'll see. You're probably not wrong there. I can I easily that. see because he's been doing a lot of distance things in this year alone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, even the way they booked him that gauntlet match before mm-hmm. Mania, they booked him so strong. He went like an hour and twenty minutes. It was really like a, the rebirth of like his baby face character. Um, it, right then and there, I felt like they were getting behind him. What did he do at Mania last year? I don't even fucking remember, man. I know, honestly. God, what did he do? We'll have to look it up. That's sad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It wasn't against Triple H. That was the year before. Are you sure? Oh, did he tag with um Dean? Or no, Dean was gone at that point. Yeah. No. Oh, tag. was it for the IC belt? It might have been. It was probably for the IC belt. I'm guessing. You can Google it while I talk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, next we have the Triple Threat TLC match. Yes, uh, match of the night for me. The match I'm looking most mm. forward to. And I would not be surprised if this was the main event of the card. So we've got Asuka versus Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Um, we had Charlotte versus Asuka on SmackDown. Good fucking match. Got me excited for the pay-per-view. Charlotte ended up. Pulling out the kendo stick from underneath the ring, beating the shit out of Asuka, hitting Becky with it. She was out um, commentating. Um, and then um, Becky got a hold of the, the stick for a second, and then Asuka got her hands on it and went fucking shit. And, and it's the crap about the damn time. Yes. 
So, back to my uh, previous prediction with Becky Lynch coming out. Mm. This is completely crazy. But <laughs> with Becky Lynch coming out um, and, you know, costing uh, Ronda the match, I foresee Ronda coming out and costing Becky the match here mm-hmm. and Asuka going over. That's my prediction. I would match. absolutely love to see Asuka win. So you really want Asuka to win that belt? Yes. I, if you think not she now, would just be when? holding it? No, I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Because I feel like that... You know, booking for Rumble mm-hmm. here. And I feel like that's all TLC is, is the pregame for Rumble. Yes. Um, I foresee Becky, you know, winning the Rumble. You know, and then challenging Ronda. Dude, I want her to go into the fucking Rumble, like, stone cold. Like, straight up. <laughs> Just I want to see her, once again, I want to see her at number one. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, lasting the entire fucking time. And then winning that thing. I think that would be huge. So, um, and that would get her even more over. They won't do the same booking twice, but yes. Well, Christian, you, you realize how many times someone's actually won from the number one or number two position? It's more than someone's actually won from the number 30 position? Yeah, but I'm saying, like, they wouldn't have her do the exact same as Rollins in the same night. Oh, in the same night? Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. You're giving way too much credit. They <laughs> <laughs> think about that shit. <laughs> Also, Seth Rollins was in that triple threat match. It was with The Miz and... Uh, Thank you for looking that up. Yeah, and Finn Balor. Finn Balor? Yes, remember the... Finn Balor is for everyone. It was like his rainbow get-up, and Seth Rollins came out with the Game of Thrones look. Oh, that's right. That's right. It, it was a great match, but it, it didn't really do much for the pay-per-view. Anyway. I did, yeah, because it was it was very early on in the mm, card. I it was the first it. match. Oh, it was the first... Okay, yeah. It's a good opener, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why I forgot about it. Because it was also very, like, out of nowhere, too, because he lost. Did Jason Jordan get hurt? I think Jason yes. Jordan also got hurt. Yeah, man. That's rough. <laughs> that's rough. So, um, but, yes, but he, got a, to, uh, he got a nice IC title run out of it, yes. though. Jesus. Um, but, yeah. Yes, so back to that match. Um, match of the night. I definitely foresee, I'm going to say Asuka wins. You know, I, I'm going to say Becky loses the title here. And I, I see, I imagine what I would what I would fucking do is mm-hmm. I would have Asuka go full fucking heel going forward. You got two And have Charlotte go. I want Charlotte's else. face going up against fucking heel Asuka at this point. And I want Charlotte's them. a true blue heel right now, though. Is she? Yeah, she is. They're booking her as a heel. I don't see that happening. I know you want Asuka's. I think Asuka, if she has the belt, she'll be the face in the situation. And Charlotte would be the Then they, I feel like she won't hold it very, very long if she's a face holding that time. I'm sorry, man. But at least she gets to hold it. <laughs> I would I would like to see Asuka Charlotte Mania too. That'd be nice. Mm. I could dig that. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I could dig that. So then we're saying Asuka Charlotte at Mania, which is another big match, um, especially if they build up Asuka again. And then you've got... That's a long time to hold that belt, though. I will point that out yeah. once again. Um, but then you've got Becky winning the Rumble to face Ronda. Yeah, I, could, I definitely would be all on board. You know, and maybe you actually get a, a uh, women's uh, main event at Mania. Because that would be Talk about main huge. event caliber. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So I would blow everyone would be on their feet for that match. Absolutely. That'd be huge. I mean, fucking Charlotte versus Ronda was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be upset about that match either. But I feel like Becky is really. I mean, she's their you know top baby face right now, um, whether they like it or not. So I I think they're slowly realizing that at this point. Um, I just hope they don't shit the bed with it. So I mean, that's across the women and the men. Oh, absolutely! I agree, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think she outshines the men big mm-hmm. time. I think right now the women's division is outshining the men's division. You know, um, I think they've got they're they're stealing the show left and right. So that's about fucking time. You know, you have those two matches at Mania, and you also have like maybe like a tag team match. You know, for, if you introduce so the tag titles, yeah. It will be the women's WrestleMania. You know, that'd be great. You know, so. Um, okay, so last but not least, and once again, I, I still feel like they're going to, I feel like Asuka, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch are going to be the main event of this card, just because AJ never gets to be in the main event, it seems like. There's some kind of edict uh, handed down by McMahon. So, uh, but the WWE Championship match is AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. Predictions. Um, I, I see Brian all the way down to the top I, right now. 100%. I feel like this is just the beginning. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, AJ teased, you know, basically tapping to his dark side on this episode that he's not attacking Daniel Bryan because he wants Daniel Bryan to make it to the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's weak. It's weak yeah, promos. Um, you know, it sucks that they just don't know how to write AJ as a baby face, it feels like. I'll just give him that shot at it again. Yeah. <laughs> If that happens again, that'd be horrible. Do you think he finally wears the cup? Do you feel like he? <laughs> it's got to happen. He eventually. does a low blow, and then he's like, "No," and he like, you know, taps on the cup to show everyone. Mm-hmm. It's got to happen eventually. Eventually, God, I hope so, because he just looks like an idiot <laughs> at this point. <laughs> like you wouldn't wear a fucking cup oh. after like the thirtieth time. Jesus Christ. Um, he just doesn't want any more kids. That's all. <laughs> He's free of vasectomy. Yes, right. Um, but anyway, yes. Um, it's gonna be a great match. Uh, these guys, fucking man, they work well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with each other. So I'm excited. Uh, there's a lot of good matches on this card. So, um, they're gonna really have to fuck shit up to ruin this pay per view. <laughs> I feel like, um, which I wouldn't put past him. So, but yeah, yeah right. I mean, the top three, I mean, Ambrose, Rollins, Oscar, Charlotte, and Becky, and AJ, and Daniel Bryan, I'm good. That, that, that's mm. a solid fucking pay-per-view. Solid. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. I am. I gotta say, I haven't been, God, I don't remember the last time I was this excited for a pay-per-view from them. Because that's a solid, that's a good solid well, I just, matches. I haven't been this behind any type of storyline or character uh, in WWE in years. Really? Like, what storyline are you talking about? With the Becky Lynch? Yes. Wow. I okay. think they're handling it well on screen. They're handling it well off with like um, Becky Lynch and uh, Ronda Rousey kind of building their own stories, continuing them going social on. Social media on wise. Social media. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first really great integration of that as well. Where it's not like, you know, they're like laughing behind the like yeah. backs online type of deal. Yeah. It feels legit, even though we know it's... I think Rhonda did something where she, in an interview, she talked about how like pulling him and helping her 
liver post or something mm. like that. Um, which is like, don't, don't <laughs> do that. You know, like we understand that there's writers, yes. but we don't need to see that inside, you know? Um, you know, it's this weird thing with kayfabe where like, you know, we'll use it when we want to. And it's kind of like, you know, so wishy-washy with some of the superstars, you know, with their social media. I wish there was like some kind of like, I don't know, like edict or something like that with WWE. Like, okay, you know, if you want to be yourself, you know, that's fine. Then you're not going to have any angles going on social media wise. Because Samojo also does that a lot too, where like, you know, he'll be talking shit one week to someone mm-hmm. and then like there'll be a post with him, in, you know, and that person in it. So I was like, really, Joe? Come on, man. <laughs> Is Joe not wrestling Jeff Hardy on this card? Speaking uh, of which. I haven't, I mean, I haven't heard the match be announced. Have you? No, and I don't see it anywhere. Like, I checked a few different sites and maybe it just hasn't been announced yet. Unless it's pre-show. Oh, I, I hope not. I hope not. But it just felt like it was going to, it would be a damn good pre-show match. But um, if that's pre-show and fucking Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox are fucking on the card, hey that's, man, that's a, man a of disgrace. Match. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you feel like, see, you know, my thing is with Becky Lynch right now, I feel like they're starting to drop the ball slowly with the whole Nia Jackson. I just hate the way that they're... Well, that's going to disappear by, by a fucking Monday. It's I hope to, so. You know? They'll, I they'll feel try like, to set them up more as a team because they're going to be heading towards that fucking tag yes, team. Yes, I agree with that 100%. I just need Becky to get her, you know, revenge against mm. Naya, I guess. Yeah, you know? just have her fucking hit her with a chair on her way down the ramp. At this event, right? Yes. At TLC. I would love it. I would fucking love it. Um, I just feel like they're really trying to use that to push her and get heat. For um, the match against Ronda, so I don't know, man. I don't know. I I just felt like she when she came back from you know the concussion, like I felt like she lost a little something, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. she had so much fucking fucking uh, momentum um, going into Survivor Series. You know that just just that fucking almost iconic shot of her now, you know, standing in the crowd with like you know the blood around her face and everything. That just had everyone buzzing, you know, that week. That is going to be a moment of this era for a long time to come, so... As long as they don't shit the bed, yes, I agree 100%. So, once again, this is me not trusting them. <laughs> but I agree 100%. Also notable, um, the U.S. title's not on here. Yeah, I guess Nakamura you're right. has right. no programs going on at all, again. Well, Nakamura has been... No, he does have a program going on. It's just not on here. And maybe we're missing something. Maybe it's been announced <laughs> after we pulled up this card. But he's been uh, feuding with uh, Rusev. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. But if you put that on there, this is a really long card. But they go. They like to go seven hours, hours anyway exactly. nowadays. <laughs> Four-hour show. I mean, Jesus Christ. So maybe those card, those matches are happening, and you know. We've got an old card. I'm not sure, but this was current as of yesterday. I googled. I haven't seen anything. Okay. So all right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. So uh, we did have the finals of the uh, what is it called? The World Tag Team. Yes, the World Tag League. Tag League is that what they're calling it? Yeah. 
Uh, so coming out of that, we had Ibushi winning the Never Open Weight title from uh, Goto. And then uh, we had Osprey uh, winning basically like a number one contender match to face him at Wrestle Kingdom. Talk about fucking match, man. Yes. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> How exciting is that? And it's, it's different for that um, title as well, because usually you get these two kind of like heavy hitters. Hard hitting, yes, you know? exactly. So this is going to be like all out brawl, but in the air. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> yes, these guys can be fucking stiff. Mm-hmm. I would not want to take a fucking Ibushi kick. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That looks like it hurts. Um, uh, we had LIJ actually winning the fucking World Tag League um, against uh, G.O.D. And they will be challenging them at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, but the Young Bucks uh, interjected. And they are also going to be part of the match. How do you feel about that, Christian? Um, I don't have a problem with it, to be honest. I mean, uh, it, it's very... You know, kind of like, you know, they're going after... These guys just fought this whole fucking tournament yeah. and the Young Bucks are just showing up. But I feel like if the Young Bucks... <laughs> I want to see the match. I know. If the Young Bucks have that kind of heel persona going into it, it fucking works fine. I don't know if they're the heels, though. I mean, maybe in New Japan fans' I eyes, feel like they're the heels here. I feel like G.O.D.'s the fucking, you know, the true heels here. Oh, well. But, I mean, the Young Bucks' point was that they never got a rematch. Now, that's not really a thing in New Japan, though, mm. it seems like to me. So, but, I mean, so they kind of shoehorn their way into this. Um, I want to see the fucking match, so I'm okay with it. See, I didn't realize it was a triple threat. Yeah, it's a triple threat. So at Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. That's going to be interesting. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I'm more excited for that. I thought it was just going to be LIJ versus um, Young Bucks, so I guess I, I was missing four. No, 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 yeah. No, uh, G.O.D. has the belt still. Okay. So, yeah, so they uh, they still have the belts and everything. I have no idea exactly what would have happened if G.O.D. won that, you know. Um, then I don't know, they, they had the choose, right to choose, they choose probably. Yeah, probably works weird. the same way as the fucking... Uh, yeah, but, I mean, once again, like, if you saw the match here, do you really want to see it, you know, at Wrestle Kingdom? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure it was a damn good match, but it would kind of feel like almost like holdovers. So I'm I'm glad that there's gonna be a different element, which is the Young Bucks. Yes. So they've been off TV for or off New Japan for like a month now. So it is a little weird because people were like, "What? Why aren't they part of the <laughs> tournament? This makes no sense." But maybe they had other business to yes. take care of, right? Um, but uh, what else do we have? Was there anything else huge that happened? Kenny Omega was out there. He was in Ibushi's corner. Um, but that was pretty much it. And Omega's been off TV for a while. I guess a lot of people have been kind of complaining because a lot of the titles weren't there. Like, the only title really represented was the Never Open Weight Mm -hmm. because you have the IC belt, you know, around Jericho's waist. He's obviously not on the card. We know he's going to be facing uh, Naito at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. So that's another exciting match. Um, and then Omega wasn't on the card at all. And then also the U.S. title is around fucking Cody's waist right now. But you think you'd want to, like, boost it a little bit? Or at least have some promos going on during these you events? You would think, but... but they didn't do anything with it. So there's been a lot of complaining going on right now um, amongst, like, New Japan fans. And I get it. I mean, it feels like the elite has taken over their titles and just, you know, kind of doing whatever they want. Um, you know, including Jericho mm. in that um, bunch. So... 
you know, so and that is a little, you know, hard to swallow, I guess, if you're a New Japan purist. Well, then I guess at fucking um, Wrestle Kingdom, do you see all those titles being relinquished back to Japanese stars? Really depends on what the future is for the mm. league. Like, are they going to be moving on? Are they going to be starting the, you know, all elite? You know, um, what are they calling all elite championship? All elite wrestling, wrestling, yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, you know, is that happening? Are they going to be cutting ties with New Japan? I don't feel like they will cut ties with New Japan. I think mm-hmm. they'll have a working agreement with them still, which would be the right thing to do. But at the same I time, agree. they're heavily alluding to the fact that they don't have any ties left. Yes, afterwards. Yes, yes. I mean, I, they, I mean that helps sell. The, they did wear the the Bucks did wear the Young Bucks Bullet Club shirt out there, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Cause I don't. Want, how do you feel about the new design? Oh, with the the elite and the box, the actual box mm. on there. I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. You know, they also uh, showed uh, Cody's this yes, past week with the wolf. It, it seems like they're going with the animal theme here. Mm. Um, I didn't mind Cody's, um, but we'll see what they do for Kenny. What, what if he's if no? He's, they're announcing there's three more. Okay. I mean, I'm guessing Marty is getting a, a raven. Yeah. Um, Hangman's probably Got gonna have snake. one. Hangman, you think it's going to be a snake? Yeah, snake's I would boots. Think, I was thinking horse for Hangman. Yeah. Just the cowboy thing. But okay. I could see a snake. Well, a snake is still a cowboy thing. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying I was going horse here, man. Um, also, like a boa constrictor, you know, goes with the whole I Hangman I feel like it's too thing. stone cold. I guess. So, um, a boa constrictor would be strong, though. What would Kenny be, then? I have I have no ties to an animal with it. <laughs> a bear, a cuddly bear. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what Kenny would be. An otter. An otter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it is. Um, but yeah, an omega otter. I like it. I like it. Um, I would buy that shirt. So, <laughs> um, I I don't know. You didn't like the designs though. I, it's. I don't it's know. It's hard. It's hard, though. It's right? hard to go from, like, you, they've ingrained the Bullet Club logo so much into your mind. Yeah. That, like, switching over to this is kind of weird. I did like, I don't know. I like the, the makeup of it, though. You know, because it it's does still very much a it. patch format. Yes. And I like that it unified them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know about the animal themes. <laughs> I don't need the animal yeah. themes, you know. Especially, I don't know. Like, it looks cool, but, like, a wolf is so cheesy. I don't it's think I would wear it. Just, I feel like it's being, like... <laughs> I feel like it should be on the side of a van. Whenever I see a wolf or something like that, that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. Especially on a shirt. Like, one of those giant screen print shirts that you see at, like, fucking Target or Walmart or something. Like, I don't know. I don't need it. So. Um, but, yeah. 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 That, well, I don't know why we've been talking about merch for that long, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> So that's going to do it for this week. Uh, before we go, we got some awesome podcasts that we think you should be listening to that we'd like to shout out. Uh, first up is uh, our good friend Tom's podcast, uh, who did the interview with us, Heroes Garage. Um, it's a superhero fantasy and sci-fi um, podcast by fans for fans. Go ahead and give them a listen. I know they're on Anchor right now. Yes. So um, next up is Victims and Villains. Uh, the marriage between pop culture and suicide prevention. A really interesting concept um, and a great listen. So um, next we have The Geekly, um, a weekly geek culture podcast. Um, 
they talk all things DCEU, MCU, Arrowverse, American Horror Story, Games of Thrones, and more. Um, and you could catch them on iTunes and Spotify. So they're very much like us. They're all over the fucking place. I definitely know I'm going to be checking them out to hear what they have to say about the Elseworlds that just came out. Yes, right? We got some, right? The first appearance yes, of uh, Batwoman, Batwoman, right? Um, also, we've got Wulong Talks, uh, the official Twitter page of South London's favorite geek podcast, Black, British, and Geeky, part of the Britpod scene. And go ahead and give them a listen on all your favorite podcast platforms. Right? That's, that's not it, man. We have our own network that we are on. DCP, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely check us out. That's the DramaCityProductions.com. We have tons of podcasts for you to check out. Uh, I mean, just to list them off, you know, so sack them up Sundays. You know, that's that's one great podcast that you should be checking out right now. Um, also, we are on multiple platforms. That's right. Christian, you want to name some of them? I guess. <laughs> um, that would be Podbean, Spreaker, Don't try to Stitcher. put that on me, man. <laughs> iTunes, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, the works, man, the works. That's you right. You just Google us right now, man. iHeartRadio. Yes, iHeartRadio. Wherever you're listening to us on now, just trust me, you get another app or on. That's right. And make sure that you subscribe, yes. rate, and review us, please. On whatever app. We live off those reviews. Exactly. So, um, but uh, before we go, also a shout out to. Uh, the music that you heard in the opening of the show yes. that's Greg Brebner our house DJ master DJ you can go ahead and you can check him out on SoundCloud you can also follow him on Instagram yes and then you're also listening to them Guilty Aces right now that's our outro music yes yes um, and they are on iTunes also yes. they got a couple videos that just came out on YouTube and if you're in the Chicagoland area go ahead and check them out they're always great rockabilly band awesome rockabilly band yes. so uh, beyond that, we do other kinds of content. Uh, I am on Twitch, and then uh, we also put all that on YouTube and Facebook, uh, Twitter. Those are our homes for social media as well. Yes, check uh, us out on Instagram. Exactly. Damon does these fucking badass stories. You gotta check them out. Uh, he makes a fool out of me on a regular basis. So, <laughs> but it's not hard to do. <laughs> so, but so, yes, give us a follow. Yes. So, um. But that's going to do it for this week. Yes. 50 episodes in the can. 50 man. fucking episodes. And we're almost to a new year. That's right. Here's to 50 more. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> if you're lucky, asshole. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been a Drama City production. This is going to work, Steve. I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. ANS update ready for download.